One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the week again, the rugby league rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And another round is in the books and Origin is upon us again. Unfortunately, heading into one of these shortened rounds, Boxhead, but... Uh, Origin team's name this morning, New South Wales, unchanged. We'll talk a little bit more about that in our set of six in Queensland in about 20 minutes' time as we are recording this between work and coaching this afternoon. It's almost uh, about... Well, I'm on school holidays, brother, so... Yeah, well... I'll go no work, work for me. I've got work, but you're going to coach soon, so... Yeah, this, this is the only time we're going to get, as usual. Yeah. Uh, being fairly busy, and tomorrow's not going to work either because of uh, footy and work. So we're recording this first part with me and Boxhead. Uh, almost 1pm, so we're waiting for this Queensland team to be named, expecting uh, a few changes, obviously, and a lot of discussion about that, but we'll talk about that in our set of six and kicking that off. Set of six, Panthers, Raiders, tackle one, uh, started off the season as two of the heavyweights, in particular the Panthers, which was fairly surprising. Thought they'd definitely be up probably close to the top four or just outside, but uh, they've gone from favourites to absolute flops, both disgraceful. Yeah, I, I can't see them... Um... Can't see them making the eight from where they are now, and they were they were horrendous yesterday. Their defence was ordinary, their enthusiasm was ordinary. They they just look very clueless, don't they? they? Look like they're playing a, a team full of individuals, not playing as a team. And I know that's a bit old school, but that's exactly what they look like. They've got a lot of good players. You look at their roster, and they've got some superstars on their roster, but uh, for the whole and for the most part, they're they're not playing anywhere near their potential. And South, I mean, South were good, but. For the majority of this season, we've seen what Seas have dished up and it hasn't been overly impressive. So, yeah, I don't know what to really make of that game apart from that Penrith were pretty disgusting and Penrith fans have got every right to be pretty disappointed. It was a season that was touted as, you know, anything outside a top four finish was going to be a huge disappointment and now they're staring down the barrel of missing their top eight and potentially finishing in the bottom four, which would be disastrous. And then you get into the press conference and you hear Anthony Griffin say that I didn't really think they threatened us at any stage. I, yeah, Matt Moylan sort of tried to blame himself for the loss and said, oh, I threw that pass, I did this wrong. And it's just no, it seems to be zero accountability. They're just all trying to say the right things, Penrith, but yeah, no one's really doing the right thing on the field. Or, you know, Griffin doesn't seem to have the answers for mine. We've, we've questioned the, the squad makeup all year. I think he's got that element of it right um, in terms of the starting side. Yeah, but I think outside of having Tyron Peachy in the in the team, I'd have Tyron Peachy starting the game. But outside of that, I just think it's the way they're playing, the structure that they've implemented. I, it's pretty ordinary. Well, we <clears throat> said at the start and say it again that they and I don't like using colourful language. We don't use it too often on this show, but they fucked up when they fired Ivan Cleary. Simple. 
Mm. Um, Tigers fans and people questioning some of the moves over there. You, you know, the Tui Lola here and then signing another half in Watson. They may be lying, cheating, stealing a little bit right now, but that's a complete rebuild. So yeah. he's going to do what he needs to do. But at the Penrith situation, the style of football, the way the squad was made up and the, what he was doing, the only reason he got sacked in the end was a disagreement and a big dick contest, basically, with Gus Gould. Yeah. Um, they wanted a yes man. He got his yes man, Anthony Griffin. But we've seen what Anthony Griffin done previously at the Broncos. He had a good squad. A lot of the guys he coached in twenties, they were, were a good side, and they limped into the eight every year. They had guys kind of playing out of position. We've seen the same thing here. Random guys playing on the bench, like Ben Hunt had to wait three or four years to get his opportunity. Everyone said he wasn't ready to do it, even after a hundred bench games. Wayne Bennett comes in first season, probably the best halfback in the comp, goes to a grand form. Yeah. Um, he had Gillette playing centre wing, all these bits and pieces. And then he always carried random blokes on the bench in a role like he did with Hickel and these guys at the start of the year. And then tactically, you're looking at what Penrith's flourished off the last couple of years, which is playing off the cuff, but also pushing through the middle, getting a roll on, having numbers around the football, then shifting early and getting to their outside backs. They're going one out. Tarmow's got no one to offload to, and I don't think he's had a great year. Merrin, etc. It's hard to promote the football when you're going one out. It's very easy defensively in that mini line. The first three defenders either side of the ruck, if you're coming one out with the ball tucked away with no support around you mm. to get a bloke and take him to the ground. Cleary's going to the line, no one on him either. Same deal. There's just, just the real simple things. It's very one out. It's very basic. They don't generate any momentum. Defensively, I think their attitude's pretty piss poor as well. Um, they were a team that was sticking it to a couple of the bigger sides and needed to, but that's completely gone, and that probably shows you the overall attitude and the thing that's killed me, especially the last couple of weeks and all years, the fifth tackle options as well. Yeah. Last year, Cleary came in, had full control of the kicking game, did really well. Start of the year, kick tactics were basically, they were just telling him to put that bomb up. That was about all they had going. They didn't let him kind of take control of that. And now Matt Moyle in the last two weeks has decided they're going to run most times on the fifth tackle without letting anyone else know what's going on and getting caught with the football. Um, there's basically nothing positive I can say about what they've done this season. No. And the other thing that shows you how bad things are going, what other team has enough depth in their squad to completely change their spine mid-season and get better and still not win games of football? Mm. Um, that's probably showing you where they're at. And I'm going to put most of it, a lot of it is on the players, but at the same time, I think this all stems back to firing Ivan Cleary. I think the wrong coach is there. Um, I don't think there's anyone else you could really bring in right now. I don't think there's an internal answer and... On to the Raiders, because that's the other side of this. This just shows the big difference that 12 months makes. And being a team, last year they were a team. There was a lot of guys playing for contracts, playing to prove themselves. Hodgson was up there, rated close to Cameron Smith. Whitehead came over within 12 months, proved himself to be an NRL player, got a new deal. Leilua got a new deal. Rapana went from being two, three years in the wilderness to one of the breakout players in the competition. Signing those contracts and increasing wages led to pressure meaning that to push out Vaughn and a couple other guys, which then lessens your depth. But at the same time, it seems like everybody wants to be the big dick when you watch Canberra. Caesar, Austin, Hodgson all wanted control last year. That didn't really kill them in the end. Uh, you know, they all kind of worked together and got through it, and the Fords did a really good job. But this year, all the things they were doing well have gone out the window. Ford pack uh, is not going anywhere near as good as what they were. Probably Papa, Papali, and Paulo. Yeah. I think Boyd's had a poor year. Whitehead's been a non-factor. I think Soliola's dropped a peg. Their bench impact is not even close to what it was. Leilua, uh, why I can't defend the brain snaps, and I know a lot of people are frustrated. Uh, I think his frustrations also come part and parcel to not getting as much football as they probably should on that side of the field. Um, he is dumb, no doubt about it, and you take the good with the bad. And 
there's been a lot more bad than good, but there's definitely problems within that team. They were a team 12 months ago. I think right now there's a lot of individuals similar to Penrith. Yeah. And they're having some problems within that group. It's funny how those cracks appear a lot bigger when you're losing. And I'm going to have to say again, Ricky Stewart was the one who kind of enabled this whole culture as well when he built this team. You put big personalities together, you tell them to be this way and act that way. And we said at the start of the year, there's a lot of niggle and a lot of disrespect, like we're better than you, we can do what we want. And at the same time, I think there's a lot of friction having all those big personalities and having that culture that we can do whatever we want when we want. And it's kind of led to them losing a lot of close games and now they're starting to look like they're fighting internally. Yeah. So I think as well that he's probably let this get a little bit too far gone uh, from his coaching point of view. I think there's a lot of people there that have given free reign and they're kind of eating each other internally as well. Yeah, that's fair. I I think their discipline's horrendous. Their halves are playing two pre-line. Blake Austin and Leilua and Rapana seem to be there seems to be a disconnect there. But I, I just think I don't think their forwards have been as dominant as what they were last year. Their forwards were killing sides and you know, you, you go through Soliola hasn't had the impact that he had last year. Shannon Boyd, they were probably the big two. Even Elliot Whitehead, Josh Hodson on the back of that isn't having the same impact because there's not the same go forward there. And then that obviously links to your halves and then flows onto your outside backs. So discipline, I don't think they've got a lot of patience, Canberra, and it's cost them a lot of games. I know they've, I know there was a lot of people saying last week, oh, yeah, but they've lost this many games by six points. But it doesn't matter. They're losses. Losses yeah, like, are losses. So, uh, And in the end, you're not judged <coughs> on how many six-point losses you have. You're, you're judged on how many wins you have and whether you're in the eight at the end of the year. so Yeah, and the same thing can be said about the Newcastle thing last week when it said leading at half-time ladder and Newcastle were like second. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you've lead at half-time. There's 40 more minutes to go. Correct. And you've lost a shitload of games in the second half. Eight, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the, I feel bad realistically for the fans when you get your hopes up, but this is what happens. When people get paid and it all comes together, it, it seems like I said, I think he's let things go a little bit too freely um, as far as the group and the way he controls them all, but there's a complete disconnect. The halves don't know who's running the team. Hodgson looked frustrated at times last year, but it looked like it didn't really matter. That you know they all wanted to fight for who was in control. This year, it looks like no one wants to be in control. The forwards have been poor. There's yeah, man, well, lack of lack of uh, ownership and yeah, taking responsibility. And I think. I think the sad thing is, and it was summed up again on the weekend. I think their wingers have been close to their two best players. Nick Kotrick was massive again on the weekend. He's, I know we said at the start of the year, like he was he was one of the young guns that we highlighted, but. I didn't expect him to have this sort of impact this no. early. He's been phenomenal and he's only going to get better. Yeah. I mean, you look at the impact that Rapana's having. Kotrick, he's not on Rapana level, but he's no. not far off. 18 years old, though. Yeah, exactly. To be right up there in all the numbers, metres, tackle breaks, etc. This is an 18-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, he's one year removed from his HSC. So I feel bad for those two. Paulo, who I think still been good this year, and again, Papali. Papali's a little bit flat now, but he's come out of the origin period. Yeah. Uh, start of the year, he was their best player by a mile, but... All the little things they were doing, like we said, are not there. And especially the bench impact and the depth. Yeah, you feel that pinch when you start paying blokes and it's kind of blowing up in their faces this year, unfortunately. Yeah. And it just shows that last year, you know, everyone, oh, you know, Canberra, they'll be hard to beat next year and they're going to be bigger and better. Well, you, you never know. You need to win. There's got to be a win now mentality when you get to the finals. Well, Can't be. you got, you got to lose one to win one. Well, who's to say you're ever gonna, even going to get back to the finals? I heard on this side of caution when we did our preview, even though I had them up there, that as much as things went well last year, looking at the cattle that are there, they had the ability to self-destruct. But there's one thing that we always highlight at the start of the year in our in our previews is that history tells you that not all of these sides make the eight. No. Someone's going to implode. And, and it's, it's just very hard to predict when, you, when you're judging it on paper. And we all do it. Yeah. Everyone does it. Everyone thinks there would have been, you know, a handful of people 
if any, that would have predicted Canberra and Penrith not to make the eight this year. Heaps had them but to win the comp. There so. you go. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult but this Difficult is one. this is also the same reason why every year when somebody goes Brisbane or the Sharks or Melbourne are going to miss, I just think no, no, that's exactly and right. This is again why I talk about culture, coaching, all the little things you do know. You know what Melbourne's going to be. You know what the Broncos are going to be. The Sharks, as much as probably the last few years, they've only become a premiership winner and a top four contender. Prior to that, they always had that forward pack and they were always kind of there. There's a few teams you know what you're going to get every single year. Yeah, um, and that's why you put those four or five in the eight every single year. Um, in Canberra. We literally did err on the side of caution, saying it could blow up, and we don't know what's going to happen, and, and it's exactly what has happened. Yeah. Uh, tackle one, we've gone a bit far there, but to Canberra Panther fans out there, uh, every right to be really frustrated. Two fantastic sides to watch last year, thought they would do so this year, and that's probably the thing that hurts me more. I don't support either of them, but I looked forward to watching them both, and their games at times have been painful to watch this season. So That's an understatement. Yeah, both not looking like they're going to be in the eight. Tackle two, uh, probably a little bit quicker on this one, but... Nathan Brown in trouble, apparently. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I agree with you on that yesterday. But any Newcastle fans out there, I know some have expressed an interest. Just hear my little case here, and I've said it before, and I don't think I should have to say it again. How they could think that after the hard two years of work that he's put in, that he should be fired. You're kidding yourself. Uh, And I will defend him on the sense of when he got there, the salary cap was in tatters, and they thought it was going to take at least three years to clean out what they had after one season and then heading into the start of this season, he's got rid of all the bad contracts. And he, I know they're, then they're saying he can't attract players. Well, it's hard to attract players when you've won one game and you've got a bunch of young kids and you're in a bit of a struggle. Um, he's only just finishing his second season. I know the wins aren't there, but as far as the actual clean-up, the shit fight that was there, that was literally three years' worth it was looking like. I think he's got that done ahead of schedule. So if I'm Newcastle board, that's a tick in the box. Number two, recruitment. Uh, you may not be happy with Guerra. I think Moga and Asaysay are solid buyers. Bure has been injured. Costjays and Ponga was a good good nab, and they got a couple of good kids, Starling, etc. Nick Meany, who are 20s players playing up in cup. Does that uh, get you win straight away? No, but you're not in a position of power to negotiate, get players, and attract people to come there. It is going to be a slow burn, but on the basis of just simply what I said before, salary cap position, shit contracts, flipping things over and being able to get back into the market, before, it looked like it was going to take three seasons. He basically got it turned around in 12 months. Yeah. Um, and he made a few small moves. You may not be happy with Kenny Dow, but again, rugby league's a business. That's a $400,000, $450,000 contract that it was looking like originally. He fucked up, uh, and that's rugby league. When that happens, you get to bend the player over and get a better deal out of it. They're going to get a rep-quality player, rocks and diamonds, sure, but they're going to get him for a cut price now. So um, I know everyone wants wins, and you're disappointed, but if you're looking at the big picture and the shit sandwich he was served up, I think he's doing a pretty good job. And yeah. the next question, who are you hiring? And you know what happens when you hire a new coach? He comes in and says, I don't like A, B, C, D. You start again. Yeah, I, you can't afford to start again, Newcastle. I think it would be a, uh, a huge overreaction. The one, the one area in all of this that I agree with is that they're not attracting any superstars. That's a concern for me. So... They're not in a position the to do question, that just yet. The question that I think Newcastle need to ask, is that because of the coach or is that because of the roster? And I, I tend to think it's more because of the roster they've got. The, situa- yeah, the players that, don't yeah. want to go and play in a losing side, particularly when the other side of it is, is why, why are there better players walking away? Like Dane Gagai walks away, he's probably their best player. He's gone and signed elsewhere and they can't attract a player. So yeah. I think they're getting to the point where they're happy with what Brown's done in terms of rebuild. And I agree with all of that that you've said, but... The hierarchy there is going to think, well, okay, we need to take this to the next level. Is Brown the man to do it? 
Now, for me, I think he deserves. Well, he's, he, for me, he's attracted a. He's attracted. Probably got a pass mark in his recruitment this year. Well, maybe not a pass, but close to. Next year is probably going to be the big one for him. They're going to have to move up the table, and they're going to have to land some big, big uh, name players. Otherwise, he's going to get moved on. I think next year, like, like I said, is more at least you got to give him the third season and a chance to spend the money because they haven't had it. Yeah, they've only just got it because he's had to make a couple of moves. He got rid of Yuato. There's another twelve off contract right now that weren't parties. The only one left that's really not part of his setup is Hodkinson, and that's out of his control because the stupid club decided to sign a halfback. Before they appointed a coach, gave him three years, seven hundred thousand dollars. How the fuck's that his fault? Mm. That's my frustration here. That you, you hand a job like this over to somebody, it was at least a five-year project, and I don't like the whole five-year plans and bits and pieces and putting it that way. But this is one of the worst situations you could have been put in to take a job. Yeah. So the fact after two years to even think about getting rid of the coach when he's already ahead of schedule, I think is insanity, and just the job it is in general. And that main point that I just made: if another coach comes in, he won't like all the same players. No, and you're almost no. rebuilding again. Even a couple of the junior kids, he might look at a couple of them that they're working on and go, "I don't like him either." I I just think it's really really stupid. This this needs to at least go for three to four years. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think it's a massive overreaction. Frustrated or not, Newcastle fans, the state your club was left in, you're just going to have to cop this on the chin. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Is he a, is he a Brian Smith style coach that comes in, flips it over, and then you move on to someone that's going to put the cream on the cake, or is he is he capable of doing all of it. I think that's the point we're probably going to get to in the next 12 months with, with Nathan Brown. I don't have the answer for it, but at the moment I think it would be ridiculous to sack him, as poor as they were yesterday. Uh, just got to be a little bit patient, Newcastle. I, I think you're right in that they you wouldn't want to hit the panic button too soon. No, massive overreaction. Uh, tackle three, the top eight. We're looking at it right now, and we said the other week, don't look at the buyers. Some people are still confused by that. I don't know how. Buyers, everybody gets them. That four points is irrelevant. Just look at wins and losses. Simple as that. And you may have a game in hand. That's fine. Yeah. But for the most part, it's wins and losses. It's simple as that. Eighth place is now on nine wins. They're two clear of the Warriors. And then after that, there's a log jam of teams all on six, being the Panthers, the Rabbitohs, the Raiders, the Dogs, and the Titans. So basically what we're asking is from... Probably seventh down, the Dragons and the Eels are the only ones kind of close. Seventh to fourteenth, do you see much changing? Because you you can't really look at the draw. You don't know who's going to get injured the next couple of weeks, and it's pretty hard to predict. But um, with those teams that are already three away from the eight, you've got to take into account your three wins out, which basically means those teams ahead of you have to keep losing for you to even get close. Mm -hmm. And with, say, eight rounds left, I don't think anyone's really got a chance of coming in. Uh, the only two teams I think may have some kind of glimmer of hope are possibly the Warriors. And, you know, they lost again the other night in a close game that they led 16-0. And I think the Titans, your mob, uh, had one of the better draws from what I looked at. Have had a shitload of injuries. Probably one of the only teams that have a real excuse outside of that eight. You've had up to 10 people missing at some stages. Yeah, I think they could possibly go on a run, but I can't really see them winning six or seven games in pushing in either. Um, it, I think it'd take a real, real massive no, capitulation think, from seventh or eighth in the Eels or the Dragons. I think there's one team that could potentially go on a run. Not all of them; those teams are going to go on a run. There will be one that will go on a run. It happens every year, right? Yeah. Uh, will Will they be able to get to the eight? Pfft, I don't know. That's going to be very, very difficult. Um, and who out of those sides do I see slipping? The only one that I could even think about potentially slip slipping is. Uh, it, 
is the Dragons. And yeah, like I said again, we, we try not to look at the draw, but you have to do it at times. If Dugan and Frizzell come back healthy, if Vaughn gets back, I know they've been playing quite poorly, but they've got one of the easier draws home. I know it's hard to say it's easier, but when you've got the Bulldogs, Souths, Titans... Uh, and that's the other thing. All those teams that are kind of in that logjam I just spoke of, a lot of them play each other the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So they're going to effectively end each other's mathematical chances as well. Um, I think from what I looked at, I think like Raiders have to play the Dragons and Penrith are going to be playing Manly and a couple of those other teams that are just in there and Penrith play the Warriors, etc. So a lot of those teams around each other are effectively going to end one another's seasons anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's right. They're all going to have to run into each other. And This is the first time, though, I can remember in a long time that the eight's been this way. Usually there's a log jam to get into seventh and eighth. Yeah. I haven't seen a two or three gap win this far out ever. It's always usually a massive compression, probably, probably fifth, down to maybe tenth or eleventh or twelfth. And then by the end of the year, there's four or five teams fighting for the last two spots. But never can I remember the top eight being so far away right now, yeah. um, heading into this back end of the season. Yeah, it's a fair point. So, yeah, I, I don't think there'll be any changes, but if there is anyone that will be out, I'm with you. I reckon if anyone's going to fall out, it would be the Dragons. Yeah. They may have the easiest draw, but their attack has hit a flat spot and all the concerns we had at the start of the year, which made us put them in the bottom four, are starting to surface. Yeah, exactly. I right. mean, if anyone's going to come in looking at the draws that I saw, I think the Titans have finally got healthy. They might get on a bit of a run, and I think the other one's probably the Warriors, but we all know what they usually do at this back end of the year. Yeah. I would, wouldn't say that Penrith... Or Canberra can make a run. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't see it happening. And the Bulldogs, I definitely have no confidence in it. Well, what, what are we? How many, how many games have these teams played? They've played sixteen games, most of them. We're two thirds of the way through the season. Mm. They're going to have to win as many games as they've done in two thirds. Are they in one third? And basically. I, I so, honestly think that twelve might not be enough this year. I think thirteen is possibly going to be what's needed, which would mean again they have to win seven of their last eight. Or for the Warriors, they have to win six. So I just don't see it happening. Right, so you think... Third, I don't think it'll be 13. I think it'll be 12. If the Dragons really struggle, maybe not. But yeah, I think Parramatta and a couple of these other teams possibly get... But eight games to go, the Warriors are the closest team outside the eight. They're going to have to go five and three to get in. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, that's saying that, you know, the Eels or the Dragons, they have to go, what, three and six. So they're going to have to lose, you know, yeah. two out of every three games to... Even open the door. So, look, I think most of this will be sorted within the next month. If the, the trends continue, Eels and Cowboys and Broncos and Roosters and Seagull Sharks, that they seem to be winning most weeks, or at least one out of every two weeks, which is going to be enough to get them in. And Panthers, Warriors, Rabbits, Raiders, Dogs, Titans, they've all only won six. Warriors have won seven games. Yeah. So it just tells you that, you know, two, two out of every three they're losing. Yeah, so they're going to have to. The team's going to have to go on a, a huge run, huge yeah. run. I, look, I think there'll be one. I don't know who it is. Like, based on what you saw this weekend, if you're going to pick one team to go on a run, it'd be the Rabbitohs, based on the footy they play. Well, I think them and the Titans have got more chance. But again, you'd have to look at the draw. And Titans, like I said, are the only one to me that has a real excuse because they've had so many bloody injuries. At at some point this season, there, like Pete's missed the start of the year. Hayne missed some football. Was kind of in and out. LG's been in and out. Tyron Roberts has been in and out. Ashley Taylor's missed one or two games. Prop to have the Coke suspension. Yeah. Hurrell's been in and out. Copley's missed football. Like, for Christ's sake. Had Hayne out for Origin. They've missed up yeah. to 10 players at some points in time. And Nash's pass here missed a big chunk. And they're going to have to go 6-2. and two, <coughs> Which, you know, big yeah, ask. Big ask. And there's still Origin-affected games coming up next week or so. Yeah. So it's not getting easier. Tackle four before we move on to the Origin teams. And Queensland's just named their side. The Storm is tackle four. 
they've got depth. Uh, they've won a lot more games and, and jagged a few that were pretty tight early in the year. That's put them in a position to rest. They're in great form. But the big thing is the depth this year. The targeted recruiting that I've spoken about the last few years in junior talent preparing for life after the big three. And in particular, through their own system, they've had Croft since he was 14, 15 years old. And then going out and getting a kid like Curtis Scott, who was very well sought after, a 17-year-old at the Sharks. Brandon Smith from North Queensland. Uh, Jerome Hughes, who played one game for you guys, somehow got the flick as an 18-year-old. Spent two, three seasons backing up the Cowboys, Queensland residents, player, fullback of the year in Q Cup, can't get a run. They bring him down there. He has an outstanding game last week. Stimson from their own system. Nichols, just getting value out of anything. And then even like mid-year transfers like the other day. Dean Britt just played his first game for us. He's been waiting three years to get a run. Yeah. Probably might play a handful of first-grade games, but I don't see him beating a first-grader at Melbourne. They trade him to South, who have just signed him for Robbie Rocco. Robbie Rocco is a first-grader. Yeah. I know he's had some injury problems, but Melbourne might only use him for 10, 15 minutes, just like the Nate Miles thing. But they just keep on winning. Um can anyone beat Melbourne? I know a lot can change, and we talk about it again. Injuries and all this can change it. But the way they've played without their key players, some of the young kids they've been able to flash in, um, you know, like Tonna Mapea can come in, Chase Blair might miss out now, Curtis Scott's came in. They've got the two form wingers in the comp. Jesse Bromwich, I think, has been ordinary. Uh, Tohu Harris missed probably the first six to eight weeks of the competition. It's been quite ridiculous how well they've gone this year. Yeah. And if they're full strength with the way they've built this squad up, it's really At the moment, hard. I don't think anyone's within 12 points of them. That's for me. On their best performance, I don't think any team gets within 12 points of Melbourne. I think the Sharks are the only... And I've said the Roosters all year were the one I looked at. I think the Sharks, looking back at it, are the only one that has an effect on Melbourne, really, when they play them. Mm. Just because they're able to get in that dirty grind with the Storm. But I think the Storm are more dynamic than they've ever been, with Billy coming back. These two wingers and a couple of small changes to the side over the last couple of years, so... They're the only one I'm really looking at who I think can get into a dogfight with Melbourne like they did in that grand final. Yeah. I just think Melbourne, with Slater back, become a much more dangerous side. They've got more points in them. They've got more ball playing in them. I think Munster's developed even more than he he had last year. So you throw him in and pair him up with Slater. Uh, I look at the way that they defend. I think they defend better and tougher than the Sharks. But I agree that the Sharks have got the style to frustrate Melbourne. But um, I'd be... I'd be very surprised if Melbourne came across the Sharks in a finals game this year and allowed them to drag them into that sort of dogfight that they were able to drag Melbourne into last year. I think just Melbourne are going to be a, a class above this year. I, I can't see anyone beating them, aside from injuries, form slumps, lightning, striking. And again on the but, weekend, uh, I kind of they lost Maguire early on in the piece, but Bromwich went off after about 20, 25 minutes, wasn't required. I think Harris played half a game and McLean's missing. Yeah. So you put those three back in there. Glasby's now become an origin player, whether you agree with that or not. Kafusi's been in outstanding form. Uh, yeah, they've got Kenny off the bench. They've rotated heaps other forwards through their bench this year. They've, they're really stacked in a lot of positions. So even if they do get a couple of injuries, there's a possibility they'll be able to cover for it anyway. Mm. Uh, that's the scary part that Melbourne have generally had problems with. With these young kids they've invested time into and picking up with their smart recruitment, they're in a real good position to get the job done this year. Yeah. Um, it's quite scary, but tackles five and six will be the Queensland and New South Wales teams. Obviously, we'll do an in-depth preview next week, but quickly touching on them right now. Queensland is our tackle five. They've named their side. Uh, all the rumours have been confirmed true. Daly Cherry Evans has not been selected, so it's pretty hard, regardless of them all saying that there's nothing against him. Uh, he hasn't been picked. Uh, and the changes, Munster 
and Ben Hunt, who got dropped from first grade a couple of weeks. I kind of laugh about this because this probably shows that little bit of tension again between Kevin Walters and Wayne Bennett. Um, and obviously him not being allowed to go back to Brisbane, him questioning a lot of things that Wayne Bennett said more recently. He's brought him into the Origin Arena and Munster, who it's pretty obvious was going to get in. All the Melbourne boys were talking about him. Bellamy, basically they've got a contribution in making that decision with Kev Walters. And those two are the ones that come in to replace Darius Boyd and Jonathan Thurston. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I, Cherry Evans would have been the, the player I would have picked. Um, or I wouldn't have picked a utility at all and just had Morgan... Uh, Morgan play and I would have moved Gagai into the centres and played um, Oates on the wing but that's me that, that's the side they've picked uh, they've got a lot of good halves to, halves to choose from Ben Hunt's been in good form well the, the only thing I can kind of defend in all this if you look at their actual centre options people were throwing up Ricky the tell at the last minute and I know he's been good at club but you can't put him in no. uh, I understand the concerns that people say about Gagai's defence but I don't think he'd be anywhere near as worse well, as what uh, O'Neill was well any worse than what Haney is for New South Wales yeah and the other thing is you talk about defensively you talk about him playing for Newcastle Please. he doesn't get a lot of help at Newcastle does he so it's pretty hard to get a real judge on him defending as a centre in the worst side in the competition um, you know, there are other options at centre. O'Neill wasn't coming back. Copley, Moga, like these couple of guys that are actually on their depth chart. The Oates thing would make sense of moving him in, but they've basically gone on the theory that we do with the Australian side. They've picked the best players and just tried to find positions for them. Hmm. So looking at the way they've picked it, you'd think that Munster's probably going to play centre and Morgan start at 5'8", and they're talking that Ben Hunt will be the utility off the bench. He's played hooker before. Obviously proved that he can defend in the middle. He is probably one of the better defensive nines. Strong running game. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly... I think Morgan is the better six, clearly, at the moment. But the fact that Munster plays with the Storm players, I'd rather have him at six. And Morgan played out in the centres in Queensland Cup for a while, uh, for a couple of years there. He's very strong. He's probably as big as Munster and very powerful. I think those two are interchangeable. But what would you... If that's what you had to do, which one would you play at centre and six? Would you play Morgan at six, Munster in centre, or vice versa? I couldn't play Morgan at centre. Couldn't play Morgan at centre? No, because when's Morgan played an NRL game at centre? Oh, I think maybe a handful. He did spend a year on, oh, it's a couple of years ago yeah, when he wasn't quite developed. But it's the same as Munster. Munster's like, played a few. Yeah. I think the way they're looking at it, though, it's only once. I think it's stupid. Like, you've got Cherry Evans there. You've got Corey Norman and Cherry Evans, who are outstanding halves. Pick one of them. If you're happy with the job that Morgan does on the bench, leave him on the bench, and you pick horses for courses. You pick Gagai, or you go and pick a, a centre. Oh, like I don't have a massive issue with playing Munster at centre. I don't, I don't have a huge issue with that. To, you know, the, and, the, and the argument that I heard over the weekend was, oh, Morgan set that try up, you know, at centre. I mean, well, come, please, really? Like he turned a ball inside and New South Wales' defence out on that edge was dog shit the whole game. Um, Look, I think they're playing. They're playing with fire here, Queensland. You, you, my my strong belief as a coach is you don't play players out of position, and you, you especially don't play players out of position in multiple positions in big games. I, I think I think you're asking for it here if if you're Queensland. But to me, it's a really strange one. The form that DCE is currently in. I'm I'm uh, you know I don't. I don't love well, DCE. You're a Titans man, I don't so love you DCE. Don't have a big, yeah. But uh, he would have been he would have been my choice. And if if you're happy, if you want to pick a utility, then you keep Morgan there and you pick a centre. And if Munster's you, you think he's your best option at centre, he was the 18th man there for game two. I can cop that. Yeah. But I, I can't cop them if they play Morgan at centre and play Munster at six. I like I get it from you know it's the Melbourne Storm spine. 
but you don't have all the other players around it. You don't have the coach. No. You don't have the system. You don't have, you know, all the stuff that goes with it that makes Melbourne so outstanding. They don't uh, have the forward pack that Melbourne they don't. Do It's a very different forward pack. It's, it's totally different. Melbourne's Just to say side. that you're going to have that, those four players in those key positions and you put different people around them <clears> is going to have the same impact. I think you're... Well, it's silly, silly to well, and it, to to assume that that's going to be the case. And I'm with you. Dangerous. Realistically, in the end, I I would have probably went Cherry Evans, Munster, and left Morgan because I I wouldn't carry the utility. I'd still have the extra forward, but we know they're going to pick the utility. They always do so. So I would have rather keep Morgan in that spot. But even to, even to even to pick Morgan as utility <coughs> and expect him to go on and play lock, it's stupid. Yeah, they, it is stupid. They always say he's a bigger body, but again, I think it's a wasted 10, 15 minutes <laughs> where you could have a Guerra or a Thida or well, something. Well, Hess, Cohen Hess didn't get on until when? Like yeah. twenty to go. Like he, that's the ideal time to put Cohen Hess on. You know so. the scary problem game one, and we know this as players. You burn a lot of energy waiting too. And I thought Hess well, was you, flat. The in ridiculous part of it is, if you know you're not going to use a bloke. Don't pick until him. the 60th minute. Well, firstly, don't pick him, but don't warm him up with everyone else. But he was flat. He was very flat. I thought he was okay, but he basically looked cooked after 10. Yeah, but you bloody you, you go and warm up yeah. with everyone else, get warm, and then you sit there for an hour and get cold. But it's also a 20-year-old kid who's hyped up yeah, for the game. Exactly. And I remember like even any of the levels you go through, when you have to wait, it does burn energy. Any you game. Overthink any game the longer you have to wait. wait. So 60 minutes. Um, they've made that decision now. It's all done and dusted now. Well, good luck, uh, Queensland. I think wow. the only thing really going in their favour I've got to give to them is if Frizzell and a couple of these guys go in needled up and Tedesco on that, they, I, I think those are kind of heading in their favour as far as New South Wales I don't think health. they will. I don't think that's... I think Laurie Daly would be stupid to, stupid to do that. I, I, they've had the weekend off. All those players had the weekend off, didn't they? The guys under injury clouds. Well, Frizzell well, played. Frizzell and Dugan both played and went off injured, so that's mm. not a good thing. They've got nine days to turn it around, though. Frizzell, yeah. I can't believe... Frizzell's played every week. Um, I know that the Dragons obviously need to keep winning, but he had an ankle problem that's been needled, and he's got rib cartilage that's been needled. And so. this is the thing: player welfare. He's heading in. He's heading into this game busted, and he's going to be needled up in multiple spots. So he's the only real big concern. Um, and I, I, I just hope that we're smart enough to, if him and Cordner are like sixty, seventy percent, you got to scrap one of them. You can't carry both. Yeah. Um, DeBellin will have to come in for at least one of them. I know two changes is pretty hard because when you look at it, you're like, okay, who would you bring in as an extra forward? Um, that's a big ask. But if one, if they're both 60%, 70%, one of them has to drop out. Uh, you can't carry two busted blokes. I agree. So, New South Wales, moving on them quickly, tackle six. And I know this has been a bit long, but I think pretty good chat, to be honest. Uh, they're unchanged. DeBellin is the 18th man. And that's probably the only two questions we've got. If Boyd Cordner goes out, it's pretty straightforward. DeBellin goes in. Wade Graham goes in. Yep. That's the starting back row. And then you have DeBellin on the bench. Yeah. Frizzell misses. It's the same thing. And I know he started game one, but you just have a bit of a reshuffle there. I think you just start Jake Trebojevic at lock, Jackson over to the edge, and you still have Corden on that left-hand side. Yeah. So I think that's pretty easy. If both go out, you're in a different situation. You have to realistically bring in another forward. Well, no, they're not going to both go out. If if they both go out and Daly has a name 19 here, he should have his head chopped off. Yeah, and that's my issue is that last game we signalled that Merrin was our next man up with DeBellin out. And well, we were talking about this yesterday. I was sitting there. you were getting the shits, but I was just saying from from oh. who they've called in, oh. that's that's who it looks like his next man up. I wasn't up. getting the shits. I think I was form, angry at the thought that that's where we're at. The man for me is Luke Lewis. I'm with you. Luke Lewis. He, he is... Tell me a better back rower, a better player in form to well, give you, do you remember, 20 to 30 minutes. Do you remember our talk, this is a couple of years ago now, when we said we needed to move on from Bird, Gallon, and we refused to, and Farrah. 
Yeah. The first one we chopped the head off was probably our best player consistently Luke at Lewis. Origin, Luke Lewis. As yeah. old as he was, I don't care what you've got to say. And anyone watching him now, if you're not watching him or you don't think he's eligible to, to fill that job, you've got to give yourself a triple. He plays middle, edge, still has the ability to play in the halves. Probably not quick enough to play in the centres, but in saying that, he's taken two intercepts the last two weeks and outrun some pretty handy players over 80 or 90. Hmm. Most of the time, if you've lost your legs, you'll get run down anything over 40, 50 metres. He's outran over 80, 90 metres the last yeah, two weeks. Play that all aside... He's playing good football. He's playing good football. He's playing but he does all those little one percenters that you want at Origin. Kick chase, strong in defence. He can plug up multiple spots, tight edges. And I, you know what the argument is? Age. Forget look age. At, look this, at Tom this, Brady. Look at these guys in America. They're playing until they're bloody 40 years old. Luke Lewis is in he's as playing. good a nick as what he could ever be in. He hasn't had many injuries. He's playing outstanding football. Yeah. I, um, if, yeah if, you, if you said to me, Merrin or Lewis on Lewis, current form, Lewis. And it's one game and you know exactly what you can get out of him. Mm-hmm. He's never let us down. Uh, the only other option I had there, on a versatility point of view, I looked at it and I was like, I know they talked about Fanuke and he's only really a middle. I couldn't do it. The other one there, and this is way left field. But you, know who they, you know who they would pick? Moylan. Yeah. You can't and they have, play him as a utility. You can't have him, and, you can't have him and Bird though. It doesn't work. It's crazy. You're probably right. They're stupid enough to. The only other name that sprung to mind, you probably think I'm insane, but if you're going off form in the future, Angus Crichton. Yeah, I just think Decider up there. I, I I'm don't with agree, you. I don't, with agree you. With, uh, I don't agree with the form and all that. I just think it's, uh, yeah. Well, we've already proved we won't pick on form anyway, but I'm with you and it's a no-brainer. If we need an extra man up, if Luke Lewis Luke isn't Lewis. the one we're calling in, we're, I think we're stupid. Yeah. Um, so, bigger... Clive Churchill medalist in the yeah. grand final last year. Come on. An outstanding form this season. We'll talk about that next week on our Origin preview in depth, obviously, for Game 3, but that's the set of six. That's a massive set of six, and we'll do our power rankings, but we're bringing back Player of the Week. I know we used to have a bit of a Player of the Week thing. Yeah, we're bringing it back. We're getting a bit cheesy on it. I look most weeks, and I always have a couple I look at, but Brock, yours is the Bravo. Brock's Bravo. So who's your Bravo this week? My Bravo is, uh, I'm going to give it to Cameron Munster. Cameron Munster? Yeah. Well, I I could have given it to Slater, Smith... Cronk, I thought they were all good, but I'll give it to Munster. Just because you think I hate him. I don't hate him. I don't like some of the stupid niggly shit he does in games, but he's a, uh, yeah, tremendous player. So I'll give it to Cameron Munster. Good luck playing centres in origin, Cameron. Good times. Well, we've gone with the old alliteration. It's a bit cheesy, but it's Brock's Bravo, Louis legend. My legend this week is Michael Morgan. He was outstanding uh, the first couple of weeks without Thurston. He was still parked on one side of the field, and I think Paul Green probably gave him the tap on the shoulder and the green light to take over and just said, you need to take over this football side. And, and these... to start this Origin series, I, I probably wouldn't have picked him on form. Neither would I. When he got picked for Australia, I was like, you're going awful. Yeah, uh, As soon as Thurston got injured, it took two or three Stepped weeks. Up. But both sides of the field, running, even the kicking game. He was never had a strong-noted kicking game. Kicking game's been outstanding. Yeah. He's a beast with the football. but Seems like a good fella too. Yeah. 100 metres on the weekend, two tries, couple of assists, tackle breaks, the kicking, he's taking control. Just, he ticks all the boxes. And to be honest, he's moved into a new atmosphere as far as my opinion of him as a football player. I agree. Um, he's right up there right now. So they're our players of the week. But now the power rankings. Have you got your power rankings on hand? I do, mate. I've got uh, a couple of changes in the top four in particular this week. The games have finally affected my opinions. And starting things off, I know yours is going to be Melbourne. I have now put Melbourne into number one. Oh, you got you with me. Okay. Melbourne's me. into oh. number one. Yeah, I've got Melbourne at one. 
And if you need any evidence as to why, go and watch Replay of Friday. Very, wow. very obvious. And my roosters have slipped down to three because I now have Cronulla at two. Me too. Yeah, I've, I've bumped Cronulla up. I've bumped the roosters down. I said it every single week and I'll keep saying it. When you have the worst completion rate in the comp and you win 10 games, it's only a matter of time. And yeah. on the weekend, they completed 90 and they flogged the roosters. Uh, Roosters are at three for me now. They've hit a Roosters. bit of a flat spot. Uh, a couple of guys injured, but they definitely need to pick things up in the next couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, to me, they're clearly below those top two. Uh, Brisbane's at four because I think they're a step below again, just uh, looking at the overall squad. And, uh, you know, there is some good things there, but again, forward pack wise later in the year, I think they're behind these three sides. Well, I think Roosters and Broncos are pretty much the same level pegging. Yep. And I'd throw probably my next two in with them. Yeah, uh, my number five is Manly. Manly, I think, uh, again, got the job done on the weekend. Scrappy game, poor start. But considering they're missing about 1.5 out of their salary cap, they're having an exceptional year. Yeah, I've got the Cowboys, but I've got Manly at six. So. Yeah, well, Cowboys at six for me. The development of Michael Morgan. Uh, Martin, I thought, was good on the weekend. Gives them a decent pair of halves. There's a bit of sneakiness about them. I don't think they can win the comp, but I think they could possibly upset somebody and push if they stay with this side they have right now, uh, yeah. maybe into the final four. Yeah, and that's for me. That's like that, that top six. Anyone outside that to me can't win the comp. No, and I, I'd go as far as to say, I right now I'd probably put it down to two or three teams maximum. The Roo- yeah. I'd say the Roosters and the Sharks and the Storm, but the Roosters have to improve, and so mm. do the Sharks. Uh, seven, we're going to have the same. I think Parramatta. Para, I, I've put them yeah. ahead of the Dragons, who obviously lost on the weekend. Yeah. And the Dragons hold eighth purely because the gap between them and who's outside. Yeah. Um, even though I don't think they're playing better football at the moment, uh, they're still three or two wins clear of anybody. They are, yeah. All well, right. Yeah, similar. Well, last <coughs> week last week we locked two. We, uh, sorry, we locked two and we cut two so from our... Melbourne Roosters were locked in. Yeah. And we cut Newcastle Tigers. So who are you going to lock in this week? We're going to lock one, one in. I'm, I'm going to lock in the Sharks. I'm locking in the Sharks. I'm yeah. locking in Manly. You're going to lock Manly? I'm locking Manly. You're gonna lock, okay, so you're going to go two locks yep. this week. All right, we can go a lock or a cut. I'm going to go a lock and a cut, and I'm cutting the Bulldogs. Yeah, that's fair enough. I had, I had two locks and two cuts. I thought, well, are we just going to do it one one each each week, are we? No, we're going to go one one of each now. All right, well, in that case, forget the Manly one. I'll lock Cronulla, and my cuts that I had, the first one I ripped down was the same as you. I had the dogs. All right, well, so we're going the same again. They're, that's fine. they're a punish, and I hate watching them play football, and I feel bad for their fans, and I know we have a lot for of people. For the fans? A lot of fans out there that are Bulldogs fans that listen to the fifth and last. I feel sorry for your team. Or oh, sorry, not your team, your team of supporters. Because your team and Des Hasler. And uh, you just. Uh, you got to listen to this in every, every press conference. I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, yeah, your, just, your completion rates and the penalties in there, as you know, like um, high completions in me. Uh, yeah, yeah, good play. Yeah, we, 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 probably, yeah. we probably win those games. Yeah. Shut up, Des. Uh, imagine, imagine a coaching. You get, you Powwow imagine, in getting Hasler and Daly. You in know the room. problem they're talking about how much video they have to do. Imagine doing a video review with him. Oh, I used dear. to I used to borderline fall asleep in twenties and Hammond. He annoys the shit out of me just listening to him talk in a press conference. Dave Hamilton, wherever you are, you were a good speaker. But an hour watching video, if Des Hasler talked the way he did, I'd be out cold. Yeah, the, uh, you know, just completions and uh, yeah, no, that, that, that's your that's your opinion, but uh, Shut up, Des. Shut up. Uh, all right. Power rankings, set of six, in-depth. We'll quickly do the game reviews, and then we will do your fan questions because there's a squillion of them again. Uh, Eels, Dogs, Thursday night, 13-12. Honestly, it was a pretty dour game of football. 
the dogs attack again, I just rather poke my eyes out, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's times like that watching them, I wish I was blind. And I know that's a very harsh thing to say, and I don't like to come out and be that ruthless, but that's about where it was. If my eyes struck me down during a Bulldogs game for that 80 minutes, I'd probably be doing myself a favour. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, well, I didn't watch it live. Man. Just because you know what the Bulldogs going to dish. I, look, I thought they had... If their attack was any semblance of competent, they could have won that game easily. 100%. They had all the ball in the second they half. They were all over the Eels. The Eels made twice as many tackles. Uh, at one point there, it was like 165 tackles to 80. Kenny Edwards just served it up on a platter, being the uh. spade that he is, dropped ball, and then he <laughs> thought he was good enough to take a fifth tackle intercept after they defended three sets. Good play, Kenny. He thinks he's a bit of a cool G too, doesn't he, Kenny oh, Edwards? Well, just fucking play just football, do mate. your job. Exactly. Simple. That, that fifth tackle oh, intercept, yeah. if I was Brad Arthur, I would put my chair through the window. You've just defended three sets. What in your right mind makes you think as a back row you're going to run 90? You're not Luke Lewis, champ. Yeah. You don't get to take picks. All right? And at least he's doing it on early tackles. He's not running out fifth tackle after de- defending three sets trying to take a fifth tackle intercept. Yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah, honestly, you're 100% right. The tries they scored even then were basically on Parramatta. One was fatigued. They shifted to the Morrises, and they kept doing that with no play the ball speed, which is no surprise they struggled to score. And the other one was Moroa just falling asleep on his inside shoulder. Yeah. And for all he slid through. So, again, their attack had no semblance of dominance or penetration, even with the extra football. Um, and then it gets to Golden Point. I thought rightfully so that Parramatta won. And thank Christ, because I don't want the Bulldogs in the finals. Yeah. Well, I want them gone. It's hard to give a rap to many of their players, but I thought Tolman has always did his job. Uh, Hopawade made a few errors, but 300-plus metres on the night. Uh, that's a pretty decent effort. But overall, they're awful. Um, people were talking about is the penalty try dead there was that uh, effort early on for Montoya and I think people complained about James Roberts Toe Harris and there was a couple of ones over the weekend it's just one of those things I think the referees and the video refs don't want to make that call Yeah. Um, is it dead you could possibly say it's dead but yeah no one wants to make that call unfortunately so most times out of 10 uh, you'll see what you saw on the weekend you'll see a sin bin uh, team will get to play on but yeah, that they really try to steer clear. It's of. gone because that was a try. He would have scored. Hundred percent. They don't want to make those controversial decisions. But big rap I have to give to Mitchell Moses. Slammed him plenty of times, and I said that when he went there, they're going to make him accountable. And they've been giving him plenty of shit about his defense. Much better on the weekend, and he iced the game. Yeah. Um, as long as that keeps happening, Brad Arthur, that culture, that side. Like I said, they weren't going to let him come over there and run the shot. They're going to keep making him accountable. And if that is the case, he will hopefully develop into a good first grade footballer. Well, he will. He's already developing. And you can see it. tick in the box, Nathan Brown. You are a god. Gun. That man ran himself off his feet. He had something almost three hundred meters and something like twenty five carries, and he was cooked. Yeah. yeah. That many bloody tackles as well. And at the back end, when they were struggling. To get to Golden Point, he just kept carrying the football, even though he was like drunk power walking. He yeah. was outstanding. Um, he's had a huge year. So good effort to them. Uh, this week they play the Storm, and they are unaffected from all thoughts for Origin. And it's a pretty good time to be playing Melbourne and to keep yourself in the eight, really, because they're going to be missing six now with Munster and Glasbian. That'll be a good game. So I think the young I think, kids... I think will... Melbourne's second side will go quite well against Parramatta. Yeah, but it's probably a good time that they did get left alone with Norman and a couple of these guys. This is mm. a chance to get onto 10 wins and, again, probably put themselves out of reach for yeah. a lot of other teams. Uh, Titans-Dragons, your mob. Uh, and simply for the Dragons, those cracks that we talked about at the start of the year, our opinions, they're starting to appear. Yep. And in particular, they were the best defensive side in the comp, and I don't know if they are anymore, but that left edge, it leaked again. They're getting after Whitop and the players around him. Uh, Hayne went down there, Hurrell, Ash Taylor, etc. Anthony Don, again, probably, I would say, you want to talk about penalty tries, when he was getting held off the football and still managed to grab that one in one arm. Yep. That's another perfect example is if he did drop that, 
you would have had to have given that a penalty try. Yeah, because he has two arms, it. he's catching the ball. He luckily got it down with one. Uh, possibly could have been an eight-point try, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but that was the big thing for me. They leaked again on that left-hand edge. Anytime they had opportunities, they dropped the ball, the Dragons, and their attack's just gone astray. And we talked about the start of the year. Teams do video. They figured out they play that powerful style and win the ruck. On the back of that, McInnes was able to jump out. There wasn't as much pressure on the halves to create things. Uh, we knew that Dugan's not a ball-playing half for McCrone. Uh, you know, he went under pressure, doesn't make good decisions. But it's got to exactly where we thought it would. All the pressure's on Widop. There's no go forward. Everything's been slowed down. They've gone back to going side to side, block, block. They're really, really struggling. Yeah, they are. Um, and the sad thing is their most dominant attacking threat is a lock forward and Jack DeBellin, who was the only one who played direct twice, and he put Tarek Sims and someone else through clean holes that led to line breaks. But they're a half short for this season, and they may hold into the eight, but they're not going to do anything. No. Kurt not. Mann's not a half. He's a six at best. He's not a seven. The fact he was playing there is crazy. Field's too small to bring up. I don't really know. I honestly think it's getting to the point where this may sound insane. I would bring Jacob Host back in. And I know Vaughn might be back in a couple of weeks and Blake Laurie was there. I'd play Jack DeBellin at six. Yeah. Um, I'm not picking I'm not picking McCrone anymore. I'm not carrying a bench winger utility like he is with Tarn Milne or Karen McCrone. Man's playing somewhere in the back line or he's not in the side. And I'm just playing. Yeah, he's not a, I'm he's just, man's not a half. Widdop's and you know McCrone's not the answer. Widdop's so playing seven. Work out who, who it is that you're looking at for next year. Like, well, they're not really looking at anyone, are they? Because they've got Ben Hunt coming. So no, and I get that. They're in a bit of a holding pattern. So you're right. Your we style, might as well just Your style work it of out. play is forward dominant. Yeah. So what I'm doing... But they've gone away from that. They've exactly. gone back to all the block-block shit. And it's not working. So to get back to the power game, DeBellin's going to six. Widdop's running the show. Kick. Extra yeah. forward. We're, we're going we're gonna to rely on... Go forward. Defence. Yep. Scoring 12 to 18 points and making that be enough. No Tar Milne or McCrone on the bench. I'm putting yeah. DeBellin at six. I'm putting Host in. I'm bringing Laurie in. I'm loading up on forwards. Sele, mm. and we're just going to try and bash teams, hold our spot in the eight, and grind our way to a victory. Well, that, that, that'll get them to the eight. 100%. That style will get them to the eight. No doubt about it. I'm not carrying these loose characters anymore like McCrone or putting me in there and having readjustments in the game. And I know the other night they lost three players by the start of the second half, so they were struggling. But you don't have another half. And like you said, Hunt's coming next year. Field and these guys are going to be competing to possibly play fullback because that's an answer they don't have. DeBellin chips him with the ball plane. I'm not asking him to go crazy with the ball plane. Still run the ball and go into the line with numbers, but I'm going forward heavy Yeah, because that's their best bet to hold on to the top eight spot. Um, I don't know if everyone agrees with me, but like you said, Hunt's coming. Those well, other... who's the better player, DeBellin or McCrone? DeBellin. Yeah, and, he's basically, and even as a half, I'd still say... He's ball-playing better right now than this he is. the reason so. we had them down in the bottom four to start the year. Right? Simple job, run first, pass second. That's all I'd say to him. Yeah, yeah and I'm getting that extra forward in there. Uh, Laurie, unfortunately, he's been very, very good in cup. He's 20s eligible, good kid. He got knocked out after 10 minutes, so missed his opportunity. Host is another one of these good kids who's been in and out with Sally. I'd just develop them further because they're going to need someone to step up next year when Packer moves on. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of pluses in doing what I'm saying. Yeah. And Milne's leaving, so don't put a bloody centre wing on the bench and carry it. Like, just, that's just stupid. Yeah. Right? Him and Anthony Griffin, give yourself a triple. Who carries a centre winger as a utility? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. Just play that power game. And like I said, Dugan... Anthony Griffin's lost me. Dugan oh, contributes I, I to that power care. game as well when he's there. So when he's back, that's what you're going to go. All out power, bash it up, get offloads, push to the middle, whip up your own control of kicking, and ball playing when we get some momentum. Yeah. Simple as that. Uh, Titans, full credit. Copley, Harrell, Roberts, LG, Peets, Proctor, Parsi, you know, all these guys have been missing at points during the year. Hayne was missing for some time there as well. Um, you know, they've had so many injuries. They had the cocaine thing with Kevin Proctor. There's been talk about Jared Hayne and unsettling things in the camp. 
Is it too little too late? I think so. But if a team's going to go on the run and has an excuse to have lost the games they've had, I think they've got excuses. Yeah, they do. Um, and, yeah, they were pretty good the other night, especially your right edge. That's looking sharp with uh, Harrell, Proctor, Taylor, and Don. Don, yeah. we hang a bit of shit on the last couple of years. He's actually developed in quite a decent first grader. So mm. if he keeps going the way he is. And then, again, I think the other plus to this is the kids you've developed. I think Max King's pretty solid. And Morgan Boyle, smart move by Hamilton, bringing him from Canberra with him. Yeah, and they're getting plenty of time in first grade, yeah. which, may, which is good. They've been developed, so I think they're one of the teams. I don't know if I don't think they'll get in, but they've got a chance to go on a bit of a run. Well, so. I like them. Put it this way, based I like them better than Penrith and Canberra at the no, moment. I'm with you, home. and and they're going to play Penrith. I don't know whether they play Canberra again. They play Penrith in a couple of weeks. That's when we're going to. Me, you, and Gossip are going to go on a bit of a tirade around Penrith. Yeah, it's on. <laughs> it's on like Donkey Kong. It's on like Donkey Kong. But, uh, yeah, good win by the Titans, and uh, things are slowly starting to gel together with players in the field, which probably would have been the case if they were healthy early in the year. Storm Broncos, 42-12. Uh, the big three, well-rested. They've had a decent origin period. Munster improving at six. Form wingers in the comp. A gun young centre, uh, you know, and Curtis Scott, and even with forwards being in and out of the side and... A couple of McLean's missing football. Nelson missing football with a broken hand. Bromwich has missed footy. Harris, they're just a well-oiled machine. They've developed some depth in that squad now. Um, and one thing they do better than anyone else is they punish errors. And three errors early on led to three tries. Um, if Smith's goal kicking was better, they probably would have got further out. But in the end, it didn't matter. Uh, they tore Brisbane apart and Brisbane's edges were exposed. Uh, Melbourne shifted the ball early in the sets, which I really enjoyed. They found uh, a bit of joy getting... Brisbane backpedalling there. James Roberts in particular didn't have a great time uh, against Munster in that left edge, but Billy Slater just brings another complete dynamic. And I think in years previous when we've talked about Billy missing or having a, a half on the other side of the field they couldn't rely on, much like last year when they had Munster, Green, Cronk, there's not a weak spot for Melbourne. They can attack you from anywhere. Yeah. And the fact that Will Chambers usually plays right side shows you the opinion they have of him that in rep teams he plays left. They moved into left the other night for Curtis Scott. Um, so Melbourne uh, right now, I like the liquid man. Good luck beating them. There is just a bit. Unless, Good luck beating them. Unless, and my, yeah. I'm so impressed with the fact that they they sometimes they look overstructured, but and then they can just click a finger and play unstructured. Yeah. And the key that the the, the the trap that every other team falls into is they just play structure, structure, structure. Bellamy plays his structure to get quick play of the balls, and then they play off the cuff on the back of it. It's structured football for unstructured play and. Melbourne do it so, so well. They've got so many good key position players to take advantage of it. They've got a blue-collar forward pack, uh, some outstanding wingers. Like they've, had some, they've had some fantastic wingers over the years, Melbourne. But 100%. These two, Where? wow, they, they'll be right up there. Like I thought losing Corobiti, and I said to you, I think Adokar could be just as good as Corobiti. He's proved to be not probably just as good, probably a little bit better. You know the other Corobiti. thing as well? I saw someone again whinging the other day, oh, yeah, of course you'd be with all these origin players and that. They've developed them. They haven't, exactly. they haven't gone out. The one no. thing that pisses me off, and again, I always sound biased because I go for him, when has Melbourne gone out to the market and bought like a finished player? Well, they haven't, have they? All the Kiwi guys have come through our system. Hmm. They're our players. Croft and these guys now are like, oh, they've got all that. Well, guess what? He's been there since he's 15. That's yeah. what development does and the time and what they have to do because they don't have any juniors. Yep. Curtis Scott, as an 18-year-old, decides to go down there. Uh, that was his choice. And then I look at other moves where they talk, oh, Glasby and like Munster, same deal. They had Munster as a kid who was playing park football, wasn't identified by the Broncos or anyone up there, playing yeah. at Rockhampton. He's been developed in the Melbourne system. So for all the bitching and moaning, 
This is all the plaudits. Well, it's that, bitching and moaning because they're, they're so good. But this is the plaudits that goes to Craig Bellman. They're all talking, ah, no salary cap and going out and buying. This is all developed. Please. If any if anyone's getting uh, yeah. hammered in the salary cap, it's Melbourne. And I'm just I'm dumbfounded at times. Just the hate for anyone that's on top. As a, as a country and even general in all competitions, we have tall poppy syndrome for anyone that's on top. Bit of haterade. I just don't get it. And even Suli. Suli was a kid they picked up from Park Rugby, injured for almost two years, barely played 20s. They threw him in after about six games. Yeah, he and was he's blown into what he has right well, now. Well, he wasn't very good. At Ocar, they signed after two first grade games at the Tigers. And Jason Taylor said, We'll be fine without him. So don't be sitting here now going, Oh, well, that Ocar got. Where's Jason Taylor now? Salary cap value doesn't automatically increase just because you and Mick Mock on Twitter with a keyboard watched a guy play four good games at Melbourne and go, oh, Well, they must be cheating. They bought him after two games of first grade because that's smart recruitment, smart targeting, good development as a club. Just because their club isn't doing it. That's so, why Like I said, I, it pisses me off. And again, being a fan, it's big Set part it of umbrella. Honestly. Pull I thought I, there's a lot that Brisbane can take out of that. I don't think yeah. Melbourne were just too hot. But Brisbane have just got to bridge that gap between now and the finals. And I think they can do that. I don't know whether they can beat them, but nah. they can get better. Yeah. Uh, it probably just shows again that they love playing up there and they've got a lot of Queenslanders in the Melbourne side. They haven't lost at Suncorp since 2009 yeah. against Brisbane. So, uh, yeah, poor poor errors, poor edge defense. They completed 50, 50% by halftime. The Broncos, Maguire went off for most of the game. They've got to sort out the half situation as well over the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, there's some things. And, and a couple of guys haven't been in good form. I think Friday struggled since he's been dropped. We have. Corbin yeah. Sims was injured, didn't have a great night the other night. A couple of those guys need to step up. Because yep. at the moment, I'm looking at their forward pack. I don't think they're holding it against the Sharks, the Roosters, or the Storm at the back end of the year. I agree. Um, that's a big, big downfall. Speaking of the Sharks, wow. Worst completion rate in the comp and still had 10 wins up until the weekend. Uh, and then they blew away the Roosters 42-12. First half, they were perfect. They didn't make an error, but two poor reads on the short side. I thought Jack Bird made a couple of poor decisions. Led to a couple of easy tries uh, by the Roosters. So 2012 at halftime, but second half and game total, 90% completions. First time they finally held on to the football, and their left edge just dominated. Maloney had a field day. Latelli, everyone in the back line grabbed a try, and they smashed the Roosters in the forward pack. They challenged him. They took him down. 1,900 metres to 1,200. I didn't see Napa or Ray Hargraves basically at all. They were just blown away. No, I think... Um, and I've seen some fans whinging about the bench rotation and different things that the Roosters done. Like, I don't know what you think they could have done any different on the day. Well, I don't like the fact they carry Connor Watson and don't use him for very long. Uh, well, so. he got HIA on the weekend because I saw... I can't remember. I saw a few people pop up going, what's he doing with friend? He's made so many tackles. He's... He's tired. He did put Watson on and then he got knocked out. So mm. he can't really do too much after that. Yeah, I just... I don't know why they carry Watson. Well, now that Carter's gone as well, uh, who's probably a better defender, but a loose cannon, they don't really have a backup nine. What, do you need one? I'd rather just let friend go. Yeah, um, right. People keep saying he needs a rest. I think he's one of the rare players in the comp that is an 80-minute hooker. He can go 80. I think you just let him go. Yeah. What you have to do if you're worried about him is rotate him a bit like some other teams do to hide their small players for a rest every now and then, if you're that worried about his workload. But I think yeah. he goes looking for the work. I don't think it's perfect. I know people look at him as small, but they know he's a good defender. So I don't think it's so much of a targeted thing or trying to wear him down. It's not like you're wearing him down like a smith because you're worried about his attack. Um, yeah, I, I honestly thought they just got blown away in every every sense of the game, yeah. and in particular in the middle. It's not very often you talk about that Roosters pack getting outdone 1,900 to 1,200. Um, and, yeah, just... They got played all over. Yeah, and it was nice. I had a real good laugh watching Luke Lewis basically mirror that intercept again. That was that was good fun. Yeah. Well, it was crazy. That happens two weeks in a row. Almost in the same spot of the field. Ridiculous. It's basically the same pass. It was 
And he, he did the exact same thing. There was a screen right there for him to watch himself again to make sure yeah. he had the coverage. But and he just got there. Uh, they were, yeah, they were really, really. Well, that's good. more of, of what we expect from Cronulla. Yeah, but again, like I said, if you can win ten games, the worst completion rate in the comp, there's something to be said. Mm. When you do hold the football and you do have a good day, it's going to be a good day. Yeah. Um, and I think, like we talked about, Lewis Gallon. Now that he's not playing Origin. Some of their older guys have been outstanding. Heinington, I'm not the biggest fan of. All those guys contribute well with their young guys. And I think Maloney, sorry, not Maloney, I think Holmes is developing nicely as a fullback. There's a few nice touches on the weekend as well as his running game uh, with the ball playing. And when that gets better, everything comes together. And the whole conundrum about nine, I thought New Brown was going to start nine at the start of the year. I would have started New Brown at nine at the start of the year because I think he's big enough and a better defender. Mm. And I thought on the weekend, uh, again, you didn't see any leaks in the middle from him because he is a bigger body. Yeah, and I think moving forward, I do like Braley, um, but I prefer Brown. Well, I agree. Yeah, and, and he's an older, more experienced, more first grade experience. And he was a nine originally, yeah. who got pushed to play six and that different position because they weren't sure about Townsend. But he was originally a nine. The twenties a very dominant nine coming through before mm-hmm. he blew his ACL. So um, honestly, especially on that defensive side of things, and I don't think he offers any less in attack. If anything, I think he offers more. Yeah, I'm moving forward with Brown. I don't know what the panic button was about, and Segarra is still to come back. So there is yeah, positives. They've got plenty of options there. They're, they're there fine. is positives for them. Uh, the Warriors, Manly, 26-22. Uh, just errors early on. Penalties. They put the pressure on themselves, Manly, and they were down 16-zip within a short space of time. Unfortunately, kind of saw what used to frustrate me at Melbourne as much as I love Blake, uh, Blake Green. He's a poor defender. He gets caught in the chair and plays get outside him. Uh, he really struggles laterally. They score on that edge really quickly. Sean Johnson started the game off quite well, but as soon as they got the ball back and got into the grind... It was scary to see how easily the Warriors were opened up through the middle of the field. Arpi Corosau poured through there. Uh, Tom Trevojevic poured through, linked up with Albert Kelly for a real nice try, but you can't get pulled apart so easily in the middle of the field after you've had such a dominant run of possession. And before you know it, it was 16 all. Mm. Um, second half, they came out. Uh, just The Warriors, six times in Perth now, six half-time leads, they've never won. And they did it again on the weekend, but... Um, Oh, just Cherry Evans really controlled things. He had another good game. Uh, like I said, Tom back healthy, grabbed a couple of tries, thought he was really good. I've got to give a big rap to their back five in those wet conditions. So I thought the forwards didn't struggle, but it was a harder game for them. But Walker, Uate, these kind of guys, the yardage work they did, they were outstanding. Um, they were a big reason they survived in that game. And at the back end there, Nickel Clogstad almost scored the no try. They stopped Fussy Tour. Johnson went on that run. They really had to scramble in that last five to ten minutes to save the game, but they found a way to win Manly, and that's five in a row. Well, it's a game the Warriors should have won. 100%. Lead 16-0 and don't don't get the result. That's uh, unforgivable. So, look, Manly, again, just a 50-50 game. They get down 16-0. They had every reason to turn their toes up, and they didn't. They grind away. They scored some... Length of the field tries, the way that they, the first they got back three. into the game. Yeah, we're all long-distance tries. The Warriors, they can give up a long-distance try, can't they? Jesus. But through so. the middle, though, to get opened up, they weren't repeat sets, built pressure. They had all the ball, and then all of a sudden, as soon as Manly got the ball, bang. Like yeah. you, you can't be exposed so easily through the middle when you're not under fatigue. That's what Look, I think it just, it just uh, cements in a few opinions we've got. The Warriors... Too inconsistent. Their defense isn't good enough. Manly, they'll do just they'll just do whatever it takes to win games. They're, I don't know whether they've got a better roster than the Warriors. If you went man for man, they probably don't. But their effort, their enthusiasm, they're just playing as a team this year, and uh, it's it's put, going to put them in really really good stead. They might even land themselves in the top four. I think more likely top eight. But uh, it's 
I think they're going to have have overachieved at the end of the year, mainly <coughs> if they if they finish in the eight because I certainly I, didn't have them in there, and they I, I I believe they deserve their spot in the eight. Well, I think they play a couple of the top four sides on their way home, so they've got a real chance of getting in there. Uh, I wouldn't put it past at the moment. I realistically realistically think they could push Brisbane out of the top four, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I honestly think if they played Brisbane tomorrow, I'd be tipping Manly full strength. Okay. That's just my opinion yeah. on, on the style of football they play. Mm. I think they could outdo Brisbane in the middle, um, and that really sets up everything they, they do as a team. Mm. Uh, but Warriors, I said at the start of the year that the forward pack didn't give me too many things to shudder about. Uh, Hoffman out. He's a big loss just because what he brings, but... I think, and Lasone is the other one that was out, which I think had been outstanding the last couple of weeks. But Vete, Lasone, Bunty Afar, all those younger guys, you don't know you're going to get week to week. Mm. Um, that's the big glaring thing for me is their forward pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on from them, Cowboys, Canberra, 31 18. Season summed up by Canberra. No direction, loose errors, penalties, and piss poor goal line defense. Yep. And bang, cost, cost bang, them the game. Move on. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah it's. No patience, no discipline. No Hodgson. They don't look happy. You know, yeah, there's just lots of problems. But no Hodgson, Baptiste, you know, he's back from an Achilles. He's more of a runner, not really planning things. The halves couldn't organise a route in a brothel. Um, you know, there was no direction there. A couple of guys at times, like I said, try to roll forward and they try to get something going. But some of the errors were just comical. Uh, the one where Austin got one off the dummy half and threw it at Caesar, who wasn't looking, and then Caesar runs that inside-outside shape with a fullback and just drops the ball cold as if he wasn't expecting it, even though he ran for the shape. Um, just yeah, there was plenty of errors, and poor Jackie Whiten had an okay year so far this year, been pretty solid. He made a couple of errors, lay Lua for eleven tackle busts, and all the damage he does made four errors. Yeah, um, and then he just self-destructed at the end there when he got himself binned. So that pretty much sums up their season, doesn't it? Any time they're in a close game, they capitulate. They can't get the job done, and no one's there putting their hand up to say, I'm going to win this football game for us. Exactly. And on the yeah. Cowboys' side of things, you know, Ford Pack, Bolton, who's been unsung all year, outstanding. Fensum going back against his old team, they gave him plenty of minutes, and he turned up 35 tackles, 190 metres, ripped right in against Canberra. Um, you know, Tamalolo, as usual, dragging in four or five defenders. One of those trials on the line there uh, near the end where Morgan hit that hole off Hampton. He had five blokes on him. Mm. And it probably sums up what we said about their Ford Pack lacking. Somebody like Boyd, who had the killer edge last year, was just shirt grabbing, standing there on Tamalolo, got five metres out from the line. That's not going to stop that big man. You need to wrap him up, get stuck into him. And um, I thought there was a lot of things that Canberra could work on, but it's probably too little too late now. And to give even more credence to how good the Cowboys were, they basically only used two benches. Ben Hampton played about 10 minutes, and they didn't put Corey Jensen on the field. Yeah. So not only are you missing Jonathan Thurston, Matt Scott, and Kafusi's out, and a lot of guys are playing big minutes and being asked a lot of them, but they realistically went in that game and used 15 players. So that probably sums up even more. Going to Canberra, those conditions, their season on the line, they win that game. Mm. Uh, Martin, solid debut, a couple of tries, but Michael Morgan, massive, massive. Outstanding, <sighs> yeah, outstanding. And I apologise to Nick Kotrick, Jordan Rapana, Paula and Papali, because like I said, out of all the guys uh, you know, in the team, I think they're the four all year that can give themselves a pat on the back. Not many others can. No. It's hard to have a... You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. 
a uh, have much of an impact when you're on the wing. Exactly. Uh, Newcastle Tigers, 33-12. And honestly, this is just disappointing. Uh, I knew they'd be hurting from last week, but the mining jerseys heading home, 20,000 turned up for it. I thought they'd really stick in, but they were blowing apart. They were down 20-zip before halftime. Edge defense was absolutely terrible. Um, they got beat in the middle. Poor discipline as well. They, they, you know, they kind of got torn apart. And bringing Hodkinson back, uh, even he didn't make a difference. Didn't think he was going to make that much of a difference because they generally do struggle full stop. But uh, I didn't see this result coming. No, me either. And no Tedesco. I thought they would have been right up for this one, thinking this is one of the last chances we're going to have to win a game this season. And uh, Yeah, it really didn't go that well. Woods, again, like I said, when, when credit is deserved, we'll give it. Though he's a power walker, he had a couple of good offloads, really dominated their middle. They're, they're a side that struggles in the middle, let's be honest. Um, I thought Jacob Little had one of his better games, and Luke Brooks was criticised the week before. He had a really good game, but let's be honest again, it was against Newcastle. Mm. So um, as much as I thought he was probably close to best on field, so he should play like that against Newcastle. Well, and it was not, wasn't just Newcastle. It was the worst performance from Newcastle all season. Yeah, it was so very, they, very bad. They, they stunk. They made the Tigers look good, and... We all know the shit fest it was the Tigers the Titans the week before, so yep. I don't think they carried much form into that game. Uh, it just it looked like a reserve grade game, let's be honest. And the Tigers hammered them really. Like I know Newcastle sort of threatened to come back at a few different stages, but did we ever really believe that they were going to win? Probably not. No, uh, hard, really hard year for Newcastle. The spoon is basically guaranteed to be heading their way, but I suppose, like I said, you, all you can do is look at next year. Um, you know, they've had guys in and out. They've blooded a lot of kids. They're developing some of these 20 guys in cup. And signings, you've got Ponga, Moga, Asese, Guerra. So a couple of more experienced forwards, a couple of outside backs. And Kenny Dow, I'm pretty sure, is clear to play, but he has a hamstring problem at the moment. Mm. So you add those five guys in, that's better than what they've got running around now. Yeah. Um, and some actual first graders. But in particular, looking at the forwards, Guerra, Asese, uh, they really need a couple of bigger bodies to help out Safiti. Because basically, Daniel Safiti's been plugging away on his own. And when Bureau was there before, he was doing quite well, but he's only one game back. And Kost Jason hasn't even gone on the field. Mm. I know he probably would have helped out more at the nine spot, but um, it really does hurt, especially in the forwards, when you don't have much help. So hard year for Newcastle, but Tigers, good result for them. Uh, you know, moving forward, they're probably avoiding the spoon, but they're in the same boat, just bringing players in, developing for next year. Yeah. And the last one of the round, Rabbitohs Penrith, 42 to 12. Penrith were disgraceful. There's no other way. To probably frame it. Uh, said it before, one out, no supports. They're very slow. They're ill-disciplined. Their defensive attitude's terrible and their fifth tackle option's piss poor. How many times they get caught on the fifth tackle with no plan of what they're doing? I have no idea what's going on. But I don't know what else I could say. And the other thing is just the childish attitude. Anytime something went wrong yesterday, they tried to start a fight. Wunga Blake gets smashed in a decent mm-hmm. tackle, gets up, tries to start a fight. Uh, Burgess, was he a bit physical on Cleary? Sure, when he jumped on top. And the facial after the landing wasn't necessary, but whatever way you want to look at it, the first thing they all did was act like teenagers. They all ran Well, in. they are teenagers, and that, exactly. they're not a mature football side, Penrith. Um, look, I I don't know what to say about Penrith. I've, I've been there for a long period of time coaching and believed in the, the methods and the planning and everything that was going on there, but... It does now look, if you look in hindsight, that Ivan Cleary was the man that was underpinning all that, um, along with, obviously, Anthony, or not Anthony Griffin, Phil Gould. Matt Cameron's development paths as well. Yeah. I, th- I think all that stuff's right, but I put it more to what I said. I, I don't know oh. if Griffin's the coach. 
Yeah, and I, I, just, I, don't, I don't know. Like, once they get to twenties, are they getting turned? Are they getting turned into footballs? Are they getting turned into first grade robots? I don't. I don't know. I just don't see enough football in Penrith. They they seem to just again want to play sort of structured one out footy. There's not a lot of attacking variance in their play. It's yeah, it's a really hard one, and they got blown away by a side who. Let's face it, I haven't looked like putting 40 points on anyone this year. Souths. I'm, I'm saying it again. It's the coach. Oh, I'm going to throw it out there. I know I've said it before. I don't think there's anyone in the market that's available. See, I've never, I've never seen him. I've, I've never met Anthony Griffin. I've never had anything to do with him. So it's hard for me to make a judgment on whether it's a coach. I have, however, had a lot of dealings with Ivan Cleary and been very, very impressed with his demeanour, with the uh, level of intelligence, the way he likes to play. I love all that about Ivan. and Yeah, so I can't make a judgment on and compare them because it would be uneducated and I'd be lying if I did so. So I I don't don't know. I, I know. I know the difference between what Griffin's passing down in terms of development and what Ivan's passing down or did pass down in terms of development, and it's very different. Uh, whether it's right or wrong or better or worse, who knows? The proof will be in the pudding with how many players come through. You can see now how many players have come through that development pathway that Matt Cameron and Ivan Cleary sort of developed along with Phil Gould and a lot of other people at the club. But, yeah, it's at the moment it's hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel, particularly when they were premiership favourites, predicted to do lots of good things, finished last year on a pretty high note. Well, their 20s are right up there again. There's another good crop of kids. Uh, cup not going as good. Yeah, but I mean, this, this is my argument with 20s. Like, 20s success doesn't equal NRL success. You no. look at the Warriors. You, do you look win, at Penrith. You, you look at these sides. They It doesn't equal NRL success. It doesn't. The no. Warriors have won. How many Holden Cups haven't won a bloody... NRL. They've been in one NRL grand final in the last, what, 15 years? Well, let's look at a dominant side. Manly have been in one grand final. Um, and they've Melbourne. Been, they how, were, many, how many grand finals have Melbourne been in? Melbourne's won one. Yeah. And that team probably produced about eight or nine players. There you go. But a lot of their work is off other clubs' bad identification and undervaluing a player. This like is what I mean. I, taking Corribetti off the Tigers when they said we don't need him and Melbourne grab him and boom, look what happens to him. Yeah. And just other little bits and pieces that got... Then They're not usually looking for 20s players. It's not very often you see Melbourne sign 20s kids. They're generally taking guys that have failed. So what is it then? Like What equals premiership success? Like Because... I'm not saying the plan at Penrith is wrong. No, I think the plan. I think again, the plan's right. I think all the players that have come through, they've got a good squad. I think the way they've developed it, though, has the wrong coach. That's what I'm getting at. Mm. Ivan Cleary suited what they were looking for and what they were building towards. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I know I do a little bit of the cup. I do a bit, a little watch a little bit of the twenties. Not as much anymore because I don't get the broadcast. But there's a coach out there who was now at Brisbane who won't be available. But I'd roll the red carpet out. Jason Demetria. He, similarly to Ivan, actually coaches to what he has as far as players. I watched him take a cutter side that I honestly didn't think was a top four side win last year with his own unique attacking style of football. Yeah, I think he suits the kind of young, brash way that this side needs to play. Um, he basically told Brisbane, because he'd moved a couple of places, won a couple of Q Cups, New South Wales Cups, the national titles, that if he was going to move again, because he kept taking his family around, it was for long term. Yeah. So he signed a three-year deal up there. Is a head coaching job enough to get him there? Yes. Does anyone out there in the stratosphere, the NRL, even think about Jason Demetrio the way I do? Probably not. But when you watch all three grades and you look around, I don't think there's many coaches that have an idea of what they're doing, to be honest. I think a lot of guys just steal the same shape and same systems and 
talking cliches, but you see a rare couple of coaches every so often. You watch the football side and the way they play, and you're like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Bennett picked him up there for a reason, and he, I think he will be the successor. But I look at the kind of setup Penrith have and the way I watch that Cutters team play, and in my head, it just seems like a beautiful marriage. But that's me just pipe dreaming. Um, and yeah. I, don't, I, I more look at the coach. Well, it was I Gus's think, call. Gus made the call. I think it's um, the wrong coach for that setup and all the work they've done. I couldn't believe that they brought him in. And for, look, will yeah. Gus will Gus admit that it was a wrong call? Probably not. Well, they're going uh, to extend him apparently, so clearly they're happy with their decision. Um, yeah, but on, on yeah. the surface at the moment, it doesn't look to be the right call, does it? But, no. Well, more, know, it was a long-term decision, so maybe there's a little bit of short-term pain for long-term gain. I don't know what the wheels would be turning there. They... They can't be happy with what's going on. Well, they've got uh, most of the side locked up for the next couple of years, so not a lot can change mm. when you're locked into contracts. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I think it's more coaching. That's yeah. my opinion. But, yeah, my brash out there opinions of watching a cup coach and you watch all these junior coaches in football and Demetrio probably seem way far-fetched and they're probably not sitting there thinking how I well, am. You saw, you saw yesterday shots at half-time. Seraldo in there, he was getting quite animated. Looked like him and Moylan were having words like it. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like everyone's on the same page, does it? No. Well, actually, back getting back to the game, because we've derailed quite heavily. For the first 20 minutes, I thought South were a little bit loose and Penrith on that early try uh, through Moylan. But after he threw that loose pass that Jonathan swooped on, it was all downhill from there. Um, and basically what I said before, one out, trapped with the football. There was nothing cooking. Uh, they tried to start fights. They got frustrated. Uh, you know, the possession was 50-50, so there's no real excuses for Penrith. Uh, you know, they missed 50 tackles, defensive they were poor. The only real rap I'll give to someone is Dylan Edwards. Oh, Dylan Edwards had a really good game. Yeah, Mansell had a bad day with his hands. Uh, it's the first game that all three Burgesses have finally got back over 100 metres. I think Maguire's finally woken up that he needed to change a little bit. They're playing a bit more free-flowing, using that big forward pack that they have, but moving the football. Walker's fitting in nicely from the back. Reynolds finally got to run because the forwards laid a platform. Uh, his kicking game was outstanding, and Johnston got five. He had an absolute field day. So, um, if you would have told it's embarrassing me, embarrassing how many, yeah. how how if how you were leaked yesterday, yeah, exactly. And if, you would, if you would have told me before that game, who would you back? I would, I would have said I wouldn't back either of them. Mm. But I would have expected Penrith maybe in a close one. But if South were going to win again, I would have said one to twelve both ways. Nothing in my mind before that made me think that South were going to beat Penrith forty points. Like it's just. It's incredible. Well, we were watching the fight yesterday, and you asked me about potential bets. I said I wouldn't bet on either of these games because I don't trust any of them. The best bet I made is I thought Burgess would score, so I backed him to score and either side to win, like separately, and that happened, thank God. Yeah. But at one stage, I was looking at Penrith going, I might get on to Penrith, but I'm glad I didn't. In terms of a result bet, good luck predicting what the hell is going to happen. All right. Well, that's the the reviews and honestly, uh, hard times for Penrith for the rest of this season. I think, I don't know. I think their finals runs over, but set of six done. Uh, Obviously, we've done the reviews. We've done the power rankings. Now we'll jump into your fan questions. And kicking them off, we'll jump on to the Twitter ones. And Tynan Jones, Des has re-signed a two-year extension. Will he win the Dogs of Premiership in that time? No. 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 Two, I wouldn't two think year. so. No. Nah. Next two years, even with Foran and Woods going there, I didn't like the Woods signing. Uh, I still think, you know, they're too top-heavy. I don't see what Foran's going to do with that side. Uh, I don't know. I know Brown's probably going to play hooker. Is he going to try and kill him like he's killed Leisha and he killed Innes before that? Probably. Um, is Crawley going to be playing next to Foran? If so, that's not good enough. And Hopawade, as the fullback, has already proved what he is. He's not going to win your comp. So looking at the spine alone, let alone the, the forward pack, <clears throat> I don't agree that they're going to win a comp. No. Nah. 
Stoney, what has gone wrong at the Chooks? They look so flat. Is it the state of origin hangover, perhaps? Pierce's mind on the job, not club footy. Well, origin, and also they've played the two best teams in the comp the last two weeks, so yeah, um, it's exposed them a little bit. I think it's probably just... It hasn't changed them outside of my mind from being a top four team, but I, they have slipped a little bit in my mind in terms of... I thought they'd go better against the Sharks in the Storm. Yeah, and also Tokyo Cordner, obviously not key spine players, but I think they need to develop... Uh, a little bit more. The other thing is they haven't played a full game really all this year. The no. fact they've won 11 games, whatever they have, I really don't think they've put it together. No. So for me, I wouldn't be too worried because I feel if they do play 80 minutes, they're one of the best sides in the comp. Agree, so. and it's origin. Yeah. The origin definitely having an impact. I think Pierce has played well the last two weeks. Yeah. Well, probably didn't but, play well on the weekend, but the week before he pulled it all out in the last 20 to get him a win. He so. can't do much when a forward pack doesn't go forward, though. So, exactly. Um, their forwards got dominated. Uh, Butsy, which other real road is this version or last year's? There's been no drastic personnel changes. It feels like para 09. Well, I said it before, and I'll stick by what I've said. The coaching setup, the way he's allowed them to develop this attitude, I don't think he has control. I think there's a lot of big personalities. A lot of guys got paid and upgraded, and a lot of guys want to be, you know, the limelight of leading from the front. It's gone from being a team last year that worked really well together to just falling apart. Um, You see fighting with Austin... Lay Lewis and disagreements. A couple of guys who got paid are not really in good form. Boydie struggled. Um, you know, that Whitehead's become a myth. Hodgins had some injuries and been out of the picture. Both the halves got paid. They've done nothing. It's 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 funny how things can change. And this is more what we're talking about cultures before. Melbourne, Brisbane, Cowboys. A lot of these teams, you know, what you're going to get regardless of what happens. The Raiders exploded last year, and our question was, can they emulate it 12 months later? Um, and things have fallen apart. So I, I think you know, I think we're seeing the real Raiders, to be honest. Well, you yeah. can't compare the two because they're two different seasons. So. I think the attitudes, though, attitudes <laughs> changed uh, completely. This is the real Raiders because this is this is what this they is are what they in are. 2017. The results, the field doesn't lie. No, the field doesn't and lie. The field is what it is, and the results are what they are. So. These are the decisions and the culture and the way they choose to build things and to pay a couple of these guys and lose a bit of depth, and everything's falling apart in a short space of time. So clearly there's more than what we can see on the surface and I wouldn't be surprised I'm just throwing it out there if a couple of people move on at the end of the season Um, I get the feeling there's a lot more than meets the eye no I agree and he's also said here would this Knights team win the New South Wales Cup definitely I'm going to go out and say easily because if they're already in the top four I think or in the upper end Wyong is the best team but if you drop a whole NRL side back down they will win New South Wales Cup Dan Gagai or someone like that would absolutely have a field day in New South Wales Cup In our all profits, our friends over there. Will Woods lose the offload next year under Hasler? Well, good question. Probably not. I, I, nah. He might not offload as much. Nah, I don't think he'll lose a champion, but uh, honestly, I, I just don't think Woods is going to make enough of a difference. And um, you know, Honestly, now I think they'd be regretting not trying to offload James Graham with the way injuries and, you know, he's a great player and he's great for culture. I think he fits Newcastle perfectly like we talked about, but for them, if it's a back-end deal and a salary cap hit of $950,000, I think it could be better spent. Uh, agree. He's, yeah, he's starting to hurt, but uh, there's a few guys still to move on from there, I think. Chris Cohen, who was the bigger disappointment, the Raiders or the Panthers? Don't see either making the semis. Well, both. For me, it's the Raiders. <clears throat> I think if you're looking at one that already Because they had, actually did it last year. Well, I've looked at a lot of spots in their site. They're not young. They are young in parts, but Leilua played in the grand final 2010. Soliola's an older guy. Boy, he's been playing first grade for a while. Um, both the halves, Austin and Caesar, have been in first grade for five, six years. There's a lot of bits and pieces there. Papali's been playing first grade since he's 19, 18 uh, years old. So I look at them, they're a bit more of a senior side. They're still young, a lot of mid-20s kind of players. But 
from what they did, one short of the grand final, all it would have taken, and we said at the start of the year, was their spine to improve a little bit. We just needed their halves and their fullback to be a bit better. Yeah. But it's completely just fallen apart. Penrith are very young. They've had some changes on the fly. They've got a new coach. There's some bits and pieces there, plenty of the names. But they didn't finish as high and as much talent as they've got. The Raiders last year were one off the grand final. So, to me, they're the bigger disappointment. Yeah, I agree. Um, They've completely capitulated. (laughs) Evan, here's one that we're talking about as far as the Roosters early on. He says, Jake Friend, 30 tackles after 30 minutes, no ball. Why are coaches not reactive in subs? Obviously, he was spent unless it's HIA. Their substitutions are structured. He said, Robinson's use of the bench all year has been suspect. As soon as Napa and Rhea Hargraves go off, we lose control and leak points. Still hasn't addressed it. Watson had to come on yesterday. Friend's fatigue caused dumb fourth tackle kicks and slow service. Watson came on 58th minute. Surely, depending on the game, uh, they need to be more flexible. Seems it's not thought out, just standard two props replaced after 25 minutes, etc. Well, I know you're a big We've fan. You've got to replace your middles. Yeah, but I know he's a big fan of Watson, and I've said it before. As much as you want to see Watson come on, Watson is not the best middle defender, uh, as is. I know he tries hard, but... Friend is basically an 80-minute player. He does do a lot of defensive work, slow service and whatnot. I know you're talking about Rhea Hargraves and Harper. They weren't great on the weekend, so I'm not going to give them too much credence. You've also got to think that what are you going to do about your bench? Like you're saying the bench needs to change or you need more of an impact. If Tokiaho and Cordner are back, you have a stronger bench. You have Tedavano, Lou, Tokiaho, like depending on which way you want to work it, and even Evans, who is a good first grader who's been out of the picture. Um, I'm not blaming all this on Trent Robinson. I think your bench was pretty weak on the weekend. I thought Rhea Hargraves and Napa were pretty ordinary, to be honest. Uh, you're right that they do set their substitutions, Evan. You're completely right. Most coaches have a plan they like to work to. Sometimes they may let things go for five or ten, minute, ten minutes extra if their middles are doing really well at the start of the game. A bit like we did in Origin 1, New South Wales. They let Fafeda and Woods go for basically 30 minutes apiece because mm-hmm. we dominated so much, but... Uh, in actual fact, if I have a player like Hooker, and I think Brock probably agrees from a coaching point of view, I don't want to carry a bench nine. I don't like the fact that you carry a guy for 10 minutes possibly and banking on an injury. I don't want to be banking on injuries. No. I want a, a player in my squad who I think is versatile enough to possibly cover up um, if that happens. And that's why I look at a team like the Sharks who have a Wade Graham or even you guys with Madison who was a junior kangaroo number six. I like players like that that I think can readjust if I need to make a bit of a shuffle. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. I'd... The, the having having a player there just going to play 10-15 minutes is silly in my opinion particularly yeah. when it's Jake Friend who's tried and tested he can play 80 definitely and I'm going to throw this out there the Roosters overall defensive attitude mate and I'm a big fan of Robertson and their team I don't think they're as good defensively attitude wise as they were a few years ago um, they used to be super keen and back in their defence and they'd give away penalties and they do that I think that attitude's fallen away a little bit mm. um, not not completely but I still think they have one of the best benches in the comp when you bring back Tokiaho, Cordner, have Orbison, Guerra, etc. Like they're a loaded forward pack. So I'm not making any excuses for them leaking points. It's not because Napa and Rhea Hargraves have gone off. It's their attitude as a whole. Defense is an attitude, and um, I don't think they're as good as they were a couple of years ago. They were the benchmark for two or three seasons a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but I can get your frustration with Watson, but uh, honestly, I'd rather just see friend play 80. What they need to do is what they did against the Dragons. Go back, watch the Anzac Day game. He shuffled him around to hide him, to give him a bit of a rest. Um, he moved him around the defensive line so he wasn't always in the middle getting involved because he's a little pit bull. He can't help himself. Mm. They do run at him because he's smaller, but he doesn't shirt the task, but he will make 50, 60 tackles a game if you let him. So yeah. I think they need to do a better job shuffling him around, and I'd rather him play 80 minutes. Simon Fraser, 
as a Bulldogs fan, what is the point in anything anymore? Well, they're not going to make the eight. Mate, I'd could love, be worse. I'd could, love, be, could be a Newcastle fan. Yeah, you could be a Newcastle fan. You must admit, uh, even with Chris Keating being in your halves and a couple of other poor decisions, you've been in two grand finals over the last you know, five or six years and you're always playing finals football. So things could be worse, brother. But moving forward, um, yeah, unfortunately next year, I don't think the changes they've made are going to change too much. I think they're at the bottom of the eight at best or if not missing the eight again. Mm. And Chris Cohen chimed in saying, just wait till Aaron Woods arrives, all prayers will be answered. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, I agree. Todd Pute, how would you go about fixing the decline in participation numbers in country rugby league? Is the NRL actually responsible for country rugby league? Well, from my understanding, they're all separate. Country yeah. rugby league, QRL, that's the whole thing about this commission they brought together a couple of years ago was they were trying to bring everybody under one banner yeah. so they can control all aspects. But country rugby league, city rugby league, the NRL, everyone's kind of separately governed, so it's a bit hard um, you know, when everyone's on a different page. QRL, New South Wales, like it's, yeah, it doesn't work. Everyone's got their own interests. They all need to come together if they're going to fix it. In short, I think more games in the country. Yeah. More games in the country, get more kids wanting to play rugby (coughs) league. It's all well and good to rely and say that kids in the country will want to play NRL, but they don't really have, unless they see these players in the flesh and they, they have someone to aspire to, I don't think, I think you're assuming a lot and you're getting yourself into dangerous territory. I think we've really neglected that that side of our game probably for as long as I've been involved. Yeah. You know, probably for the last 20 years. Well, Country Rugby League's been treated like a second-class citizen, I think. And Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, I honestly think it's because the development pathway is there for country players. It's harder to get them into NRL systems and get them through. Move them away from so all these kind of things. You just go, oh, well, it's too much effort, so let's just neglect it. Um I think the NRL probably needs to shift it away from the clubs and just say, look, every club's going to be allocated an area or, you know, you're going to play one country game a year and force the clubs to do it. Um, I think Penrith, there's a few few clubs that Penrith have done a good job at Bathurst. If everyone could sort of adapt and adopt an area like that and, and go about it that way, I think the footprint that Penrith have got in Bathurst now is outstanding. They, they're seeing a few fruits. They've got few country kids in that area that have come through. They've got a country camp. I know that it's happening this holidays with some kids from that area. So they're trying to develop the grassroots in those areas. So I think that's a good thing. But that's because Penrith are a development club. Are the Roosters doing that? Probably not. Well, yeah. they're doing a little bit, I think, up on the central coast. But Yeah, well, they've put their foot in the Wyong because that was open there. And obviously they found Latrell <laughs> Mitchell playing out that way, Central Coast Centurion. So, yeah, yeah Wyong is their, their choice because there's a, a bit of an area out there. But, but yeah. the philosophy at Penrith is development. Um, the philosophy at the Roosters isn't development. It's, it's buy. Buy, yeah. So, I, I mean, you need to take it out of their hands and just move these games. Like, I know it's great to go to Adelaide, wasn't it? Like they had a game in Adelaide, the Roosters, and then Adelaide, they moved on to the Central Coast. Perth, Central Coast, 20,000, 25,000, 20,000 over. In Perth, usually, I don't know what the crowd was on the weekend because the wet weather. But yeah. Maybe if you just said to every NRL team, you're going to get 10 home games locked in at your home venue. But and then another two are going to be moved either to a development area, such as Perth or Adelaide or Darwin or wherever, well, and the other one's going to a country area. I said this simply before, the AFL is doing a good job. They're putting posts in. They're paying local councils to take over fields and saying that they'll manage it for a little bit to obviously be able to put a set mm-hmm. of posts in. They've moved into Wagga Wagga, other key areas. I reckon it's as simple as this. Country Rugby League has groups. I think there's up to 20 groups. Every team should be allocated a couple of groups. Like, this is your area. You've got to take a couple of camps out there during the year, 
technically, I know the clubs pay the players' wages, but the money given to pay the wages comes from the NRL. So you're yeah. employed by the NRL minimum a couple of times a year. You have to send some players out to do development for a couple of days. And I think every team should have to take one game to the country. City country was one game in a random spot once a year. Not good enough. One game by every club, 16 games in total for the year. Mm. One or four of their schedules like you were talking about, there's 11 home games or whatever are still left over. Yeah. I don't think it's that hard. And I, if you moved so, it yeah. into 16 different areas, some of the big areas, Wagga Wagga, you know, we've been talking about out in Canberra way, they've got lots of teams around Gundagai and these bits and pieces. I know we go to Darwin and et cetera and all around. But if you moved it and spread it around New South Wales Country Rugby League, Queensland a couple of years ago when the Bulldogs took that game up near, uh, I can't remember, was it Mackay or somebody like that, yeah. or right up the top? Yeah, they all, played Melbourne yeah, up there. If yeah. you do all those at least once a year and spread it out, people in the surrounding areas will come in and rugby league will be the focus. The other thing, uh, take the nines to a country area every year. No problem. Play your nines at the, in the country areas. 100%. Uh, Evan again says here, locks should be 80-minute players, meaning two prop rotation, which is four, then hooker rotation two, leaving two up the sleeve for flexibility. Well, a lot That's of, not how it works. A lot of teams do use two for hookers because they don't have an 80-minute hooker, but no, that's not how a lot of teams plan it. Uh, and not everyone's lock is an 80-minute player. It depends on the type of lock that you are carrying or the way you want to use your bench. It's ideal to have a lock that plays 80. <laughs> Definitely. But a lock now, mate, is basically another prop. Another, another prop. Yeah, it's all it is is a prop. Someone said the other week about this happening, but like a Jack DeBellin, he plays in the middle of the field. Paul Gallen wears third and He's not playing lock and ball playing and all this kind of stuff. He's literally just playing front row. Yeah, um, Dale Finucane from Melbourne comes close to playing a full game, but he doesn't. David Clemmer plays lock for the Bulldogs. He's a front row. Josh Maguire almost plays a full game, if not does. He's a front row. Yeah, um, it's just a middle now. Not any team really has a ball playing floating thirteen who acts as an extra man anymore and plays on the edges and stuff like this. Most of them are middle players out and out. Um, and yeah, some teams don't have to account for the the hooker like a Melbourne uh, and McCulloch at Brisbane. I know they do bring him off, but there's a few teams out there. I don't know why they bother. Even Cameron and Hodgson's there. I don't know why they were carrying a hooker. I'd rather the extra forward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, LS Luke here says, when do you think NRL begin to stream games like the NBA does with their league pass? Uh, ASAP. It's definitely something they need to do. Yeah, I agree with you there. And what have we got here? We have a massive congratulations to you, Brock, obviously on your appointment. And I should have brought this up earlier on. I forgot to when we kicked off. That's from Joey, the Dragon Man Forever. Cheers for that, uh, for Boxhead. But uh, obviously you're getting back in. The coaching side of things, you've yeah. done, done your little stint at Penrith, and you've done your bit at the Roosters this year, and obviously haven't really been full time because uh, you've gone on your honeymoon, got married, and had a bit of a break after a ten year stint. But you're back on board as a head coach, heading into next season. Yeah, yeah going to go out to West. I um, I gave Penrith every opportunity, I guess, to to give me a role there, you know, a head coaching role, and they weren't able to come to the party with sort of what I wanted. Um, I guess the controlling element of it, of it as well is something that uh, I like, that I can go out to West and do my own thing and um, coach the way I want to coach. I don't want to really coach as a part of a system. I do understand that if I'm going to progress, I'm going to have to do that to a degree. But, yeah, it's attractive to go out there. They, they didn't win a game last year, so that's it's going to be a bit of a challenge, no doubt. But uh, something I'm looking forward to... Um, yeah, obviously the wedding and the honeymoon probably put the brakes on it for a couple of years, but uh, I just a little bit of a bad taste left in my mouth after the twenties. You know, being an assistant coach with the twenties and uh, not not doing a lot of coaching that year, which was frustrating because again you're a part of a system and basically everything that's passed down from the NRL goes into twenties and you just sort of run it like a robot and yeah. <clears throat> trying to produce NRL players. So 
Uh, the attraction is, yeah, go out there, do my thing, um, and it's going to be a challenge. So, yeah, look, looking forward to it. So Yeah, and uh, Benny Storer, massive uh, Tigers and Magpies man, he's straight onto this. He said, do you need me to send the words to boys from Western Suburbs or an MP3 of Glory Boys? Welcome to the Magpies Nest, Brock. There you go. So there you go. And I'm sure, I don't know if Curtis has figured out yet who I commentate with, but he's a nutcase for uh, Maggie's, Maggie's and Tigers. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, just for me, like this, <laughs> it looks to me like there's a, I like the fact that Ivan Cleary's there, obviously. Um, yeah, well, there's obviously a path here you know, into the Tigers setup. So. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I just I feel I, I just feel as though uh, there's going to be more opportunities at the Tigers and Penrith. Penrith have been great. Like I've got a really good relationship with Matt Cameron. Going back to when he coached me in Jersey Flag, that was what oh three oh four. So um, yeah, it's disappointing to to have to leave there, but yeah, Penrith Penrith have got their systems in place and. Um, yeah, it is what it is. But just a, just a good opportunity, and uh, not that's not to say that I won't be back at Penrith. Or I've also done a bit at the Roosters this year as well. So I've sort yeah. of seen it, seen a little bit of and they uh, Roosters Panthers. And they obviously chipped in with an offer as well. But the travel and the element of not being full time is obviously hard. Like we said before, a lot of people we do this for free. A lot of the coaching stuff on the side, um, you know, is time consuming when you have full time jobs and family and partners and stuff as well. So yeah, um, obviously the Roosters one is more of a travel. Oh, thing. if it was a money thing, I'd just do private coaching. I could make a shitload of money doing private coaching, not not coaching at at any sort yeah. of level, just doing the private academies. But you to can progress make... in uh, those rep levels. Obviously, uh, yeah, you don't start getting paid until you get full time. Even most twenties coaches, not all of them full time. No, only only some clubs are full time. So which is. <laughs> Bloody hard job. It's crazy to think that some people have to manage a full-time... You need a flexible job to be able to do that. Well, it was like a full-time job being a 20s assistant, so... Yeah, and you're not getting paid full-time. No. And you've got to work a full-time gig and manage your family, partners, all the rest of it. Yeah. So, uh, good opportunity out there, and hopefully it all goes well. But more questions. Greg Milburn. Seems the top eight are separating from the rest. After Penrith and Warriors getting beat, can anyone else bridge the gap? Well, we pretty much addressed that earlier on. I don't think so, but that's not <laughs> yeah. to say they won't. Don't really say it. Jordan Palmer, biggest surprise and biggest upset teams of the season as well. Biggest surprise is probably Manly. Um, I thought Manly would be probably on the fringe, but uh, missing 1.5 million a year cap in Stuart and Matt I, uh, the development in that spine and just them in general. They've got a lot of guys they brought over who weren't doing well at their other clubs who have sparked back up. So they're probably my biggest Biggest surprise, biggest upset of teams, if you want to talk about upset, would be Penrith and Canberra. Yeah, I'd agree with all those. If that's the way you're framing it. Yeah. Baron Von Prods, did DC and Norman kill the Queensland selectors' firstborns? The fact that it is rumoured that Hunter's being selected over two of them is a joke. DC argued with the form half the comp, and Norman was superb all last year in the early stages of 2017. Do you have any idea what Kevin Walters could be thinking with this selection, or should the Queensland selectors all give themselves a triple? Well, clearly... They I, should give themselves a triple. They should give themselves a triple, but clearly the whole DC, we don't hate him things a crock of shit because he couldn't have done any more to be selected. Um, and playing outside of Cronk suits him a lot better, and I made this mistake last week. Tiny and Jones corrected me. Thank you very much. Is playing outside of Thurston was obviously a struggle for him because he is a little bit more free-flowing and he likes, you know, when someone does the organising. And with Cronk, that would be perfect for him. Yeah. But if they're not going to pick him now with Cronk there, they're never going to pick him. No, that's right. So that pretty much sums up there has to be more to it. The Melbourne boys may want Munster, and I know Morgan's already there, but, yeah, on the Norman side of things, I can also see where you're coming from. Norman has been pretty good, but um, they're obviously going for those connections, but the DC one's the big one for me. Um, if he's not going to get picked in this under these circumstances, yeah, I don't know what happens moving forward. No. No, I agree. I agree. We've, we, I've given my thoughts on that. <coughs> so. 
Also, I should probably apologise to everybody that I've got man flu. So any of the coughing you've heard throughout the last hour, my bad. Uh, what else we got here? Andrew Pointer says, what's your opinion on dropping players who sign with other clubs? Bennett seems notorious with it this year with Hunt first and now Asaiso. Stupid. Silly when you weaken Stupid. yourself. Asaiso was one of their best players at the start of the year, so much to the point that he pushed into a starting role. Um, and yeah, obviously he's now dropped him because he's moving on. If that's the case, he should drop Moga as well. But he didn't do that, did he? So it's <laughs> a bit hypocritical. Hunt. He should drop a whole heap of them. Yeah, exactly. His number one focus should be what Paul Green's done up there when Ponga signed. They still use Ponga for those first few games when they needed him, even though he's leaving. They didn't punish him for the fact well, he's leaving. It's not about next year. It's about this year. Exactly. And that's the way it should always be. Tohu Harris at Melbourne, Jordan McLean, they're leaving. You don't see Craig Bellamy dropping those two guys, do no. you? Because it's going to hurt their chances to win a premiership. So, yeah. Uh, that, it's a business these days. He should act like that and uh, move forward. Benny Storer, again... Felt that Alex Twile and Esau Masters were shining lights in the Tigers' Knights game. Would you agree these kids are a good step up from the Tigers' previous fringe first graders like Lovett, Edwards and Rankin? Well, I know you listened to our New South Wales Cup calls, mate, and I think early in the year anyone listening to me knew how pissed off I was about Masters not playing first grade. That's clearly been addressed now that Ivan Cleary's at the club, and I'm glad to see Twile uh, was a no-brainer to get him over there this year when they'd already given Moses to the Eels. I couldn't believe they didn't at least swap for him considering they signed him moving forward. And um, It's good development because they're going to need to develop more front rowers to help out Packer and Madalino. And Yeah, I'd probably agree they are a step up from those guys. And they're younger, which is what you need. We already know what Love it is. We know what Edwards is, but Masters is only 21 years old. Twile's only 21 years old. Uh, six or seven selections this year in the New South Wales Cup Team of the Week and played residents first year out of 20s, which is a good thing for a front row. Yeah. It's good progression. Simon Hansen, does another team have to be at their absolute best to beat Melbourne or even at their best is still not going to happen? <clears throat> well, I think, again, we talked about this earlier. It's going to take a team to play. Well, they, yeah, they're going to have to be their best. They're going to have to play 80 minutes, and I honestly think there's two teams that can come close to them, if possible, on their day, and that's the Sharks and the Roosters. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else has got the 80 minutes to beat them. Um, and that's looking at all the key aspects, back line, spine, forward pack, and bench. I think those two teams, in particular Sharks' style, uh, is probably the best bet out of anyone to beat Melbourne, in my opinion, but it's going to be a hell of a ask if they stay healthy. It, looks, it does look like a grand final rematch, but we're a long way out, and Origin, our f- team's come back from Origin. Yeah. This time of the year, it always looks as though you can you can pick, pick who's going to... Yeah, but mm-hmm. it, it always ends up throwing a spanner in there somewhere, so... yeah. David Boyle, who's got the pen put through them after this round? Any chance James Graham leaves the abysmal dogs for greener pastures? Well, we just spoke about it before. 950k back end deal. Had a couple of injuries. Hasn't been the best year for him. Uh, I'd like to see him finish his career on top, but uh, honestly, uh, the Bulldogs, or whether it was at Knights with a decent payday, helping them build their culture, I'd love him to leave that mark on Newcastle before he went back to England. But honestly, I don't see a real great spot for him to finish his career at either club. No. Yeah, it's going to be hard times either way, I think. Uh, and who we put a pen through, we're going to go through that most weeks. But we put the pen through the dogs this week, along with Newcastle and the Tigers. AJ Reeves, we've heard all the arguments against scrums being part of the game. Do you have any for continuing with it other than tradition? Or tradition, yeah. That's about it, really. Yeah. Scrums are irrelevant now. So probably agree with you there. Uh, Oliver, he says here, hey guys, I get that New Zealand is out of sight and out of mind, but what is the logic in scheduling the Warriors to play at the same time as one of the biggest All Blacks matches of the past decade against the Lions? I love the Warriors, but they are never going to compete over here with the All Blacks. No, they're not. Stupid. Oliver, I don't even think we need to say anything. Brock just summed up with one word, dumb, and you're 100% correct, mate. Mihal Maguire said, sure, this question has been asked before, but 
Uh, seeing as Brock watches a lot of Super League, I'd be interested to know how high the league Cass and Hull would finish in the NRL. I think Cass could finish up close to the eight. <coughs> when you look at the way Penrith and Canberra are playing and those Warriors there on the fringe of the eight. Uh, like in a one-off game, could they beat Penrith, Canberra, Warriors? Yeah, but the, the NRL grind, and Super League is a grind as well, but I just don't know whether they'd hold up over the whole season playing at that standard every week. I think it's not as hard. There's, there's some weaker, week. weaker sides in the Super League that you can get away with. There's probably probably six teams in the Super League that are really tough. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I think the standard across the board is improving in the Super League. I don't think there's as many easy beats as there once was. Like mm-hmm. a, Previously, it was like a three or four. It was Wigan, St Helens or Leeds that are winning every year. But now, you know, you've got Cash jumping in, you've got Hull, uh, you've got Wakefield that have pushed up there. I mean, Leeds finished in the bottom four last year. So the strength is is evening out across the board. Um, so I like that fact in it. And I think if they're going to improve as an international side, their, their domestic comp needs to improve. And I think it is improving. I think the standard's improving. Uh, I like the style they play over there. But look... Right now, uh, I think Cass, you know, they'd finish, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they'd finish bottom four, but I, I don't think they'd finish in the eight. I, I think they'd be scraping around with those Penriths and Canberras and those sort of sides over a, over a whole season. I've enjoyed watching them. I, I've watched a little bit more, especially probably the last six weeks during yeah. the quieter period, and I've seen Cass a few times. They're entertaining. They're very yeah. entertaining to watch. Liam James, Knights aren't getting any better. Is Nathan Brown still the man for the job? Well, I kicked that off at the start of the show, champion, so I've answered that one. Uh, Matty Hunt, here he is again with his passenger of the week. There you go, <laughs> champion. He says, good old boys, the passenger of the week is Joey Leilua. Normally my passengers are on winning teams, but this bloke is getting exposed hard. Much like Conrad Hurrell, he offsets any of his positive contributions with dumb mistakes and brain explosions with the ball, not to mention his lackluster defence. Rapana is the star, and this guy is his passenger, and he ought to serve the same suspension that Burgess did for his elbow against Newcastle. Great. Well, love it, mate. You're getting better and better each week, Matty. This this passenger thing's becoming a, a bit of a, <laughs> it's good, bit of a solid thing in, in the questions. So keep up the good work. Uh, who we got here? Brendan Hunter says, "Can South make a run for the eight? Please give me some hope." No. Well, I don't think they can make the eight, mate. But I think we touched on before that the no. only two teams we could see maybe with the way they're playing, getting closer, are probably them, the Titans. But it's a long way away, unfortunately. So I can't give you too much hope. Jay Strasberg. Hey, boys. Been a busy year. Have not had the pleasure of listening every week. Two points. Do you guys think the bunker fears backlash and is scared to overturn on-field calls? Yes. And are hiding behind the insufficient evidence reason? Yes. 100%. Yes. I love using that one. That's the key word there. Insufficient evidence. Uh, And the second point... Well, how do they have insufficient evidence? They're the ones looking at every freaking angle. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit... Gee up. Yeah. And his second point, how great was it to see Munster, Morgan, DC step up on the weekend fighting for the 5-8 spot? As a Queensland boy, I think we are in trouble, but love the fact we have guys fighting for the spot. Yeah, great. They all stepped up. They all played well. Keep up the good work and go Queensland. Boo. Mate, we can't support (laughs) you on the Queensland thing, but you are right. They were all asked to deliver, and they all certainly did on the weekend, so... Positive sign. Uh, big game up there at Suncorp, obviously, next week. Lawrence Kelson has the ad-lib style of football that the Raiders and the Panthers uh, got into the finals with last year oh, been figured out by other teams, or is it still an effective style of play and they're unable to execute it? It's effective. Well, I was going to say, you want to talk about free-flowing. When has Penrith been free-flowing this year? The, the one-outs and slow play the balls and Cleary going up one-out. Like If you want to say free-flowing, is Matt Moylan throwing a five-man cut-out pass to nobody yesterday? Um, it's not exactly flowing like it did before because it's not as busy. Like Previously, they've had bodies around the football pushing up offloads. You push your numbers, you have supports. It's 
that's free-flowing football. And, and the Raiders have tried to somewhat, but you know they don't have the roll-on that they did last year to be able to shift the football as much again because their forward pack hasn't done the job. So why their styles were ad-lib, we're talking 2017 now, not 2016. And yeah, I don't think right. either have been anywhere near close to that free-flowing football that we're speaking about because they haven't delivered the platform they did in previous years. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty hard. I think... Uh, <clears throat> oh, my God. That throat's killing me. That style of play is still effective, but they both haven't executed the simple part in the middle of the field uh, to be able to do that. Hey, who we got here? Paul Giros. Saints' last three games were against opponents they should be beating. You're 100% right, mate. They win all three games if coached by someone with any ability, question mark. I'm taking that that Paul really doesn't like McGregor. We gave him a rap for changing his style somewhat early in the year, but, mate, honestly, I think uh, what me and Brock said before, he needs to give up on the bench utility and he needs to bite the fact that he's only got one half until next year. Yep. Um, play that power game. I, I don't Adjust. Adjust to the guys you've got. <clears throat> yeah. He's kidding himself playing with McCrone and Mann and all this kind of stuff. Just get the power game going. Bring Dugan back. Bring Frizz back. Try and beat the shit out of sides and just pair him out of the game. Push off loads and push up the middle third of the field. Simple as that. Uh, Jamie Wesley. There's a rumour that James Roberts is heading to Manly. Uh, I heard really? That. I heard that yesterday. Uh, Did you? Also, the Bulldogs are in, and he hasn't re-signed with Brisbane yet, and there's a lot of talk that he's not going to re-sign with Brisbane. When does his contract end? This year? Uh, it must. I didn't look, but I'm hearing a lot of murmurs, and Manly have got plenty of money in the cap. Matt Eye's leaving. Stewart's leaving. Wow. Tell you what, James Roberts, Dylan Walker, either side of the field is pretty potent. With not Tommy wrong. Tomlin yeah. at the back. And, and they've got the money. They've certainly got the money. There's no doubt about that. So, mate, I tell you what, if Manly are looking at him and they get him for the right price, that could be quite a spied. But the one thing we all know about also is how's he going to hold up being back in Sydney? Oh. He's had some off-the-field issues. That's your big question if you're signing James Roberts. So I'd have some defences in there or some bits in the contract if I was Manly and being a bit careful. But him going to the Bulldogs, they should give themselves a triple. What makes them think that he wants to play for them and how are they going to get him the football? They're, how are they going to get him under the cap? Their, their attack is abysmal. How are they going to convince James Roberts to come there with the attacking machine that they are? Wow. Good one, Des. <sighs> Tor Tire. He says here, is it going to be another Sharks and Storm Grand Final? Well, at the moment, you could possibly say that, but we're a long way away. Injuries and these kind of things on the run home and also what side of the draw they end up on. Um, you know, they could play each other. In a prelim, if they don't end up on the same side of the draw, depending on what happens. That's right. But, yeah, uh, they're definitely right up there as one and two right now. Daniel Holland says, if the RLPA are able to raise the minimum first grade wage, do you think a draft becomes more of a possibility? To my understanding, the argument against has always been the amount invested in junior development and players being forced to move away in a draft system. If RLPA want wages raised, is there an obligation to provide additional content, i.e. draft days for agency for the networks to cover to justify the increased investment. Jesus. I stick it as simply as this in the first place. Forget the minimum wage, we're talking about who develops. If I'm Penrith and I put money in, if I'm Canberra and I put money in, if I'm the Warriors and I produce these juniors and all these kids, and then you've got someone like the Roosters who is buy players, mm. I don't think that my kids should get redistributed to other clubs. Um, and the minimum wage going up, at the moment it's 85K for the top 25. They're talking 120 Still, like it's it's a decent increase, and I know compared to the average Joe's job, that's fine. But the average Joe doesn't have to move all the well, time, pay rent. Free agency kind of is the obvious one that's got to come in. Absolutely, <clears throat> draft. I don't. Is going to be a little bit more difficult. I I think there should be a draft. But I don't think there's enough talent to have a draft as is. There needs to be a um, a lot of conversation and a lot of logistical 
issues worked out in order to how to best implement a draft because we're very different. <clears throat> we're different to all the American sports. We're different to AFL and the fact that all of our kids are streamed through a club. So, you know, the AFL, they come through, they're, they're, they're well, smaller clubs and they're drafted and they're I've not actually attached to a club. So that makes it difficult. Unless the draft then inadvertently becomes free agency. I mean, you put yourself up for the draft and say, I want to move or whatever. Well, I've said this before, though. That doesn't work. If I've been at Penrith since I was 11 in the Cubs system, played all the way through to 20s, win the comp and they want to keep me, and then you're telling me I've got to go on a draft. Yeah. And if there was a WA team just getting introduced, I'm the number one pick. Yeah. I'm getting flicked over there. And then the other thing that we talked about, money spent on development. Why well, should Penrith way, and other, Canberra yeah. and these teams get punished for putting money into junior It'd have to be that Penrith every year can keep their best five or this, still, yeah. you, you know, your six might be the one. So it's hard. I, I know where you're coming from, Daniel, but I still stick with the fact that I don't think we have enough talent to have a draft. Mm. How many kids are coming out of 20s? A lot of guys have to go to cup to develop these well, days many, first. Yeah. So I honestly don't think the draft would work. And most teams, the one or two kids they do have that are decent, they don't leave anyway. That, I, I've got no <clears> doubt that was Shane Richardson's thoughts by... Taking the reserve grade away from the clubs. Yeah. That was his thought. Well, righto, we're going to take the reserve grade away from the clubs and then we'll have a draft on the back of that. We'll draft them out of there. Yeah. Which to me makes sense, but the clubs weren't happy because they want to have control over the coaching and the players and the recruitment and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. All right. Rolling yeah. on. Daniel Burton is keeping Moylan at six and Edwards at one. The answer the yes. Panthers are looking for, or does Moylan need to return to football? No. No. Yeah, I've said it before. He played in a dinner suit. He chimed in here and there. Edwards is doing a fantastic job at the back. He can stay at six now. Moylan, that's what he wanted. He's got what he's wanted right now. It's pretty simple. They need to change the way they're playing to the middle push up around the football and stop being so one-dimensional. Yeah, get they, some rock speed. Yeah, they got none at the moment. Uh, Alan David Buckley, hey, boys, love the show. Look forward to it every week, especially the Loz impersonations. Thank you, Alan David Buckley, for liking the Laurie Daly impersonations, and I hope that you like my New South Wales team being unchanged for Game 3. Bang. Uh, what do you think Manly will do with all the money freed up after Steve Maddow, Brett Stewart, buy another big name or give current players a bit of a pay rise like Coruscant? Cheers. Both. Probably a bit of both. Well, they've got about 1.5 free. We just spoke about Roberts. I think with Miles gone now, there's even more money free. Uh, Lawrence is probably on the way out, even though I'd try to keep him on the cheap for another year probably. Uh, I reckon they need another forward or two. They're bringing in Tolfail Sipley next year and I haven't really looked at what else they've done. But maybe another four or two, and if they brought Roberts, that's a pretty handy addition to the back line with the way they like to play their football. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> My apologies about uh, the constant coughing and throats. And Gav Carl says here, talk about those Penrith Panthers and the vomit-inducing performance they put in. Well, I think we've said enough about it. We've spoke plenty about it. Gav, Terrible. But uh, I will agree with vomit-inducing. It was disgraceful. Andrew Wales, Rabbits hitting some form. I think they've got a run. Uh, they've left the run too late. We agree with that. Yeah, we agree. think everybody outside's pretty much they're in trouble. They're a chance. Like mathematically, they're a chance. But... Yeah, you'd say all of them are in trouble now, though. And he says, Melbourne Sharks both had big wins against top four teams. I think it's a Storm versus Sharks, GF almost. It looks that way, but we're a long way away. Injuries are the one thing we've got to take in here. Matt Adams says, would their England starting side of Martin Tompkins... Martin Adams. Yeah, Martin. Says here, Tompkins, McGilvray, Watkins, Hardacre, Burgess, uh, Williams or Galen Woodop in the halves, Graham Hodgson, Sam Burgess, Bateman, Whitehead, O'Loughlin. Beat Australia's second 13. If not, is there any point in having a World Cup? Just seems a tournament where England and New Zealand compete to finish second. Well, that is what the World Cup basically should is. be, but uh, New Zealand rolled us last time here in Australia. so Yeah, well, they're not coming with uh, Bromwich or Proctor, which hurts. So I think England have got a much better chance to be playing us in the final this I time. Around. I don't think England can beat Australia. <clears throat> Neither do I. But he's saying they're second 13 for Australia. Maybe. Maybe, possibly. Hard to know. I'd have to sit down and put my own... 
uh, second 13 together, but mine would probably be different to the selectors because my first 13 is different to the selectors. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think it'd be a good game. We'd be more competitive. I agree with that. But it'd make a mockery of international footy. Yeah. If it's not already a big enough mockery. Patrick Belinsky, or South's a chance of the eight, or are they gone? Well, I'd say gone. Gone. Chris Price, empty stadiums, and why the NRL persist in thinking playing in front of 10,000 in 80,000 seat venue is a good idea. Agree. You, you agree, and I, you know the other thing I don't get why we're talking about building stadiums and all these improvements for places that we can't even fill up in the first place. Yeah, you should be worrying about getting people to come back to the game first before building places that you can't even fill. Yeah, stupid. Mateo, he says, not sure if you've covered this before. But what do you think about long-term deals and have been signing players to? It seems like horrible back-end deals at Manly Tigers Para have now been replaced by ten-year contracts. Is it a good or a bad idea? Also, more Laurie Daly impersonations. Oh. Hey, Laurie's in high demand. Laurie is in high demand. Mate, uh, we basically said many times before, anything more than three years we don't really agree with. I agree there's Tell probably... contracts, crazy. There's more unicorns or players like a Tumbler and all these that uh, you know are worthy of being signed up and kept around, but Christ almighty, it's a hefty investment, 10 years, and you don't know what's around the corner. Mm. Um, he could blow his ACL, have a couple of bad injuries, and just absolutely fall apart. Uh, it's... It's a huge risk. I'm not a big fan. For somebody like that, I'm happy to push four or five years, but 10-year deals, like lifetime contracts, the Cherry Evans deal, Hunt getting six years at the Dragons next year, I I don't agree with any of those contracts. No. I think that's insanity. It's desperation for clubs just to sign someone, really. Yeah, uh, I think it's nuts. Uh, Joshy Wilson, is the penalty try gone? We've seen a few cases where it could have been awarded, but it wasn't. Yeah, we spoke about that earlier, Whenever they say they need to be 100% certain, you're never ever going to be 100% certain because you're always hypothetically guessing would have they got there or could have, would have, should have. The fact is they didn't. They they just don't want to make that call. They should. Blake Bentley, can you put all these black games down to anything or is it just the time of the year when the competition lacks a bit in quality? Uh... You could like. There's a couple of teams that are flat. There's some teams that are Origin affected. But what's Penrith's excuse? They're not affected by Origin. No, they got blown away by South, who so have been up and down. Uh, you know the Sharks and the uh, the Manly game. That's probably fair. Oh, sorry, Sharks and Roosters game is probably fair enough. They got a few guys that have played Origin. A couple of guys missing. Uh, Sharks haven't completed well all year. The first time they did, they blew them away. Melbourne Broncos. Broncos obviously Origin affected. Um, you know, lost Maguire early on. Melbourne rested their key players, blew them off the park. So mm. I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, Nathan Hunt, are the Raiders done for the year? 100%, I'd say. Yeah, and well, mathematically they're not, but it yeah, looks like it. I'd say go on. And the last one is Jack Package. Why is Blocker a paid commentator? He's just an arrogant fat wanker. <laughs> he, says the stupid, he says the stupidest shit makes Fox, uh, Fox's broadcast of the NRL as shit as Channel 9 when Rab's in good commentate. Yeah, well, I'm not a massive fan of Blocker. Uh, it's... Surely the times have moved past uh, having him on. I, look, get him on, I don't know, I was going to say, no, not a panel. I don't know. He's definitely got a place because I, I, I like him. I don't, you know, but I, as a... Some guy shouldn't As a commentator yeah. for 80 minutes, no thanks. Yeah, some guys... Maybe stick him on the sideline and have him chime in once or twice a half. Yeah, not in the box. Can live with that, but... When he's constantly commentating um, and having comments <clears throat> minute by minute, it uh, becomes a bit of a punish. Yeah, it is quite painful. 
but that basically wraps us up, Boxhead. It does. We've, uh, we've done the set of six. We've given our players the week, power rankings, game reviews, and obviously all the fan questions. Thank you very much. Almost two hours worth of content already. Bang. Just because uh, so many questions. We're, I'm we're off to Kaizen and you're going to do gossip tonight. Yeah, later on I'll have a gossip chime in here. And uh, as again, we must bring up big thank you to all the listeners. We just keep on growing. It's all thanks to you guys. Over 10,000 again this week. Please, everybody out there, it only takes two seconds and it really helps us out. Go on to iTunes, rate and review us, give us a five star, give us a review. Any feedback, inbox us, Facebook, Twitter, any questions we didn't answer on the show, feel free to message us anytime. And uh, before we move on to. Mr. Gossip, a big thank you always goes to William Hill. Uh, if you can have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. Um, we, we do it every year. We do it for charity. It's always good to chip in. And also a big thanks to Rich and Residential. I explained to everyone last week that we did that luncheon for the Great Walk Foundation, yeah. who are our charity this year. We're going to get our money from William Hill. And obviously Rich and Residential paid for an ad up until next year and uh, helped out the great cause. It is the Great Walk Foundation who obviously raised money for hospitals, local charities in Greater Western Sydney, Blue Mountains, Hawkesbury area, um, you know, trying to help out cancer community buses, hospitals that are lacking in funding and need equipment. So it's a great cause. And we do these live readouts not because it lines our own pockets, but because it's for a better cause. So. Yeah. Richmond Residential, they are a strategic financial management consultancy. They deliver a broad range of highly effective wealth creation solutions for commercial and non-commercial financial sectors. They offer financial strategy, home equity loans, commercial loans, financial management, uh, mortgage restructuring, debt consolidation, you name it, they can do it. There's a whole list of services. Its uh, professionals have a strong client focus and their dedication will help you achieve the financial success that you want. They work with you and for you to get where you want to be. If you want to contact them today, it's on 0288824000 or follow them on Facebook and LinkedIn or book your complimentary strategy session and visit them at Suite 415 of 33 Lexington Drive, Bella Vista in New South Wales. Mate, you want some uh, debt consolidation or mortgage refinancing? No, my... Uh, Looking for an investment? I'm, I'm pretty good financially. Looking for uh, an, an investment, yeah. Well, all these kind of things rich and residential do. So a big thank you to Ange and everybody out there. And like I said, it's all for a big cause. The Great Walk Foundation, chipping in money for that charity. So 1500 into their pocket. And obviously our William Hill account, we've been burned this year so many times. <laughs> we've had five Unbelievable games. Unbelievable scenes. Five charity bet games that would have netted close to $1,500 for our charity that have lost in Golden Point. And that's the worst part. Usually when you pump for yourself, you understand when you're getting burned. But in a charity account that has no contribution to us but to a charity to lose five golden point games. Ow. Yeah. Very ow. Fingers crossed we can pull it together because at the moment we're only sitting on $500. It's our worst year to date. Yeah. So we've got the finals and uh, probably about eight weeks left plus Origin to pull our finger out. So let's hope we can chip in for the Great Walk Foundation. But for now, cheers, Boxhead. Uh, catch you next week when we do our origin preview yeah. and now we move on to Mr. Gossip we'll get all the dirt tips and odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com and unfortunately even after a bit of a break between man Brock Mr. Gossip <clears throat> is unfortunately going to miss out now not only is he feeling the effects of man flu still and not gaining his sponsorship from Codrill has probably hurt. He's also stuck in the real reality of his work life. So a bit of a double blow there for Gossip, wherever you are, champion. Feeling for you and feeling for Boxhead, who's currently coaching in the pouring rain in the cold 
of the worst, but I've got the gossip here and I'll do all of our tips and the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. Big thanks to them for being on board every year, helping out with our charity bets and our charity this year, the Great Walk Foundation. Uh, but the gossip, what we've got here, Willis Meehan, obviously a lot of people remember him, the talented uh, son of Carly Meehan, also a boxer himself. He was sacked from the NRL. Um, he obviously did a bit of off-season work. I think it was with Manly and got uh, you know, denied playing there. He <clears throat> got fired from the Roosters from off-field dramas. Now, apparently, he will be signing with the Parramatta Eels. So a bit extra grunt for their forward pack for this season. Uh, the next bit of gossip he has here is the Roosters, the Tigers, and Manly, and rightfully so, are all chasing after Luke Lewis, a veteran in outstanding form, uh, coming up on Game 300, having an outstanding year this season in the NRL. But talk is the Sharks will be looking to keep him, but no shortage of offers for the cracking veteran in Luke Lewis. Manu Vatavai is number three on this list. Most people would have read that his time at the Warriors is over. That looks set to be confirmed with the Salford Red Devils. Manu Kakash, the big money spending owner over there, very keen to have him at Salford. So don't be surprised if that is where Manu is heading. Tiatau Moga. Spoke about this before, but soon to be announced that he will be heading to Newcastle, so heading out the door there from Brisbane. Uh, stunted career start at the Roosters as a gun 18-year-old, then at the Cowboys, a couple of ACL injuries, but has gotten things back on track this year and will be moving to Newcastle, and that's going to be one hell of a challenge. And the last bit of gossip he had here, Tyron Roberts, we keep hearing there's been UK Super League offers. There's been a couple in the NRL, not the best offers, but... Warrington now are willing to pay twice as much as his current salary to get him over there to replace Kurt Gidley. So very, very keen to have Tyron Roberts, and you can't really blame them. He's uh, quite a solid player, but that's all the gossip he has. As far as tips are concerned, last week Brock got three. I got four. Gossip also got four. That takes the totals to me and Box on 77 apiece. Gossip still leads on 81. And the first game for this weekend... Short and round, we don't have the teams yet because this is obviously Monday, but Roosters versus South Sydney. The Roosters, their effect of origin, obviously they're going to be missing Pierce. Um, who else we got here? There's three off the top of my head. Blake Ferguson, Boyd Cordner, possibly injured, but he won't be playing anyway. And Toki Aho, don't know if he's going to be back. So possibly four players missing. South Sydney, they are unaffected and uh, not a bad effort last week. So purely on the four players missing and then being a little bit flat. I've gone south, but... Every one of us has tipped South all around, so <coughs> my apologies about the man flu, but <coughs> South for all three of us, and with William Hill, the odds, $2.30 for the Roosters, $1.62 for Souths, minus 2.5 is the line, 1 to 12 Roosters, 385, 325 Souths, 13 plus Roosters, 465, 325 Souths. Panthers Manly, Penrith Abysmal last week, it is a home game, and they get Manly, luckily, only missing one player, Tom Tavoyevich not called in for Morris, and obviously Cherry Evans snubbed by Queensland, so only Jake missing on the back of that, and their great away form this year, undefeated. Messy last week, sure, but we have all tipped Manly to beat Penrith. Penrith, uh, last chance for me last week, and I'm sure most tippers wouldn't surprise me if they won, but <clears throat> the Eagles form five in a row on their undefeated home rec uh, away record. We've all tipped Manly, and with William Hill, Penrith are slight favourites at $1.80. Manly $2, minus one and a half is a line. 1 to 12, Penner 350, 365 Manly. 13 plus, Penner 350, $4 Manly. Storm and Eels. 
to storm home game and their backup brigade, the young kids, they've been very, very good. But six players now missing. Uh, McLean possibly returning. Will Harris play? Not too sure yet. Obviously, teamless not out, but he didn't finish the game last week. So could possibly have seven or eight missing, but no Slater, no Munster, no Chambers, no Cronk, <clears throat> no Smith, no Glasby. I'm sure they'll be up for the fight, but Parramatta pushing for the finals, missing no players, going to stick with Parramatta. And again, Box and Gossip have also tipped the eels, so nothing different there. And with William Hill, Parramatta are the favourites, $1.65. The Storm, two twenty five. They have been stubborn, so a bit of value there for anyone who thinks they can get the job done. Minus 3.5 is the line. 1 to 12 Storm, 385, 315 for the Eels. 13 plus Storm, 475, 320 for the Eels. And the last game is the Dogs versus the Knights. Uh, Dogs last week had enough chances to put it to bed, but their attack is quite poor. Three players missing. Clemmer, Morris Jackson for New South Wales. Newcastle, they hit an all-time low. That was their worst loss of the season. Missing their best player in Dan Gagai. Huge game last week, 265 metres. Set up a try. Plenty of tackle busts. Uh, I don't see things getting any better. For Newcastle, they probably will put a bit of a fight up, but uh, the season hit an all-time low. Dogs, even missing those few blokes, they have more talent. So every one of us, again, has tipped the Dogs. No different tips from any of us this round. And with William Hill, they are the favourites. $1.41 for the Dogs. Knights, two ninety minus seven and a half is a line. One to twelve dogs, three ten, four twenty Newcastle, thirteen plus dogs, two fifty, and seven dollars Newcastle. And just looking at state of origin, we'll obviously be doing our preview next week along with our round show. But the odds with WilliamHill.com currently after the sides were named today, uh, Queensland two dollar ten outsiders at home. New South Wales are a dollar seventy five minus two is the line. Overs under thirty one and a half points. I think overs at Suncorp. Uh, overs is a dollar ninety there. <clears throat> One to twelve Queensland three ten two eighty New South Wales thirteen plus Queensland six fifty four dollars New South Wales. But we'll run through some more in depth odds and some of our betting predictions for that next week. And as far as uh, any futures markets go for the NRL, if you're looking at the Premier's market, Melbourne Storm heavy favourites with WilliamHill.com at this stage. They are now into two seventy five. The Rooster six fifty. Cronulla, $7. Outside of that, it's pretty hard to pick a winner. If you're going to say anybody, if Manly caught fire, they're $10. But outside of that, North Queensland now 19 Parramatta, 19 uh, Penrith, Canberra, the next two up, 23-26. But hard to see anyone coming outside of the Storm, the Roosters, and Cronulla at two seventy five, six fifty, and $7. Dark Horses, maybe Brisbane or Manly, $9 and $10. Uh, and Melbourne, surely by now, they're heavy favourites from the minor premiership. $1.50, a bit of value if you think the Roosters or Cronulla can peg them back at $6 and $8. But again, that's a hell of an ask. Top four value. Manly are probably the value there at $2.10 to sneak in and knock Brisbane out of the way. I think that would be the only bet I make at $2.10. Storm, $1.01, $1.25 Roosters, $1.30 Cronulla and $1.65 Brisbane for top four with WilliamHill.com at the value bet. Top four Manly at two ten if you like them. Top eight bets. Again, it's hard to see anyone. Sliding in there now, if you're going to take some value, the Warriors are $3, Penrith are 280 Canberra 350 uh, you've got South at $5, and Gold Coast at 8 If I was going to do anything, I'd have $10 maybe on the Titans or $10 on South, but I honestly don't see any of those teams coming in from the outside, so not much value there. To miss the top eight, if I was going to bet on anyone, it'd be the Dragons at 225 with WilliamHill.com. Pretty good value there. Um, if you think anyone else could fall out, like, say, a Cowboys or Parramatta, $3 and $3.30, but highly doubt it. 
value bet there if you were going to have a small dig to miss the eight with William Hill. It would be the Dragons at 225. <clears throat> Wooden spoon. Again, that market's basically dead. A dollar fifteen now for Newcastle. West Tigers the only other team with any value at four dollars fifty. So the other big one is the grand final Quinella. Most people at this stage would be saying that it'd be the Sharks versus Melbourne. That is eleven dollars if you pick those two to make the grand final, Cronulla and Melbourne. Uh, if you like to think that it would be somebody, say, like a Melbourne and the Roosters. Trying to get that one up for you here. Melbourne and the Roosters is the shortest of all at $6. Um, so I think any of those markets and then maybe Sharks and the Roosters, that would be your other one. You're looking at at $15 there and anyone outside of that. If you think Manly and the Roosters at $21 or say Manly get there and they play Melbourne, that is $8. That's also one that's been heavily back now. Uh, <clears throat> it's hard to see a lot outside of that. And Cronulla and Manly, that's $41, but... Uh, yeah, Broncos markets, if you wanted to get them in the grand final. Broncos Roosters, $21. Uh, Broncos versus Melbourne is $9. Broncos Manly, 31 Broncos Sharks, $23. So that's an update on all your futures brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. Our charity bet this week, I'm going to take control here. I like Manly at $2. The outsiders, uh, obviously, there. Against Penrith, only missing one player, and I also don't mind Parramatta at a dollar sixty-five. So I might multi them up at about three dollars and have the hundred dollars there. But that wraps us up for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Thank you to WilliamHill.com. Thank you to Richmond Residential for helping us out with our charity this year, the Great Walk Foundation, and most of all, thank you to all your listeners out there. Please keep supporting the show. Rate, review us on iTunes. Listen to us on Audio uh, audio Boom and just share us with any other league lovers. We love doing this show for you people. We love our rugby league. And the only thing left for you guys to do right now is enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.